unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Great to be with you. Took a couple of weeks off, recharge, and get ready to head down the home stretch of 2020. Man, what a fast but long year it has been. Welcome to this edition of the JS Podcast. Coming up, Eric Lopez from Black and Gold Banneret, Adam Eaton from Sons of UCF. And before you think I'm doing a UCF podcast, we're not. All three of us have a great interest and uh, fascination with broadcasting in television. And we're going to uh, go through all the play-by-play crews for NFL and college football and give you our takes, our thoughts, and our potential wisdom about them. And so we will uh, get to that discussion coming up in just a few moments. First, a couple of college football notes. Ohio State and Michigan canceled for the first time since 1917, over 100 years ago. And that, of course, was controversial because Ohio State needs a sixth game to be the Big Ten champion. So... The Big Ten has orchestrated a battle with Northwestern that will be for the title because they want to protect their interest in the college football playoff. Ohio State ranked fourth with their small sample size and a conference that, uh, frankly, isn't all that good this year. I guess it's good they're playing Northwestern because that is the second best team. But, you know, the Big Ten's getting like the ACC. It's Ohio State and everybody else. ACC is Clemson and everybody else, except for this year, Notre Dame being part of their conference. But I digress. And so I'm sure at the behesting of the college football playoff committee, they did whatever they could do to help give them that sixth game because they want they want Ohio State in there. There is, you know, the CFP rankings are a joke. We all have long known that, and it is... Such a crock. They only care about the top brands in college. They don't give a crap about anybody else. As evidenced by, once again, Cincinnati. Dropping a spot to a two-loss Iowa State team. So, Cincinnati, you now know what UCF felt like. (laughs) You, you You got to the ceiling, and that ceiling was not breakable. And it never will be in this particular setup. Just outrageous. And Coastal Carolina doesn't get uh, much higher than 13th. When they really should be a top 10 team. And by the way, speaking of Coastal Carolina, how about that? BYU, Coastal Carolina. Bravo. Great job. Coastal Carolina was set to play Liberty. Liberty couldn't play. They put together a Thursday package that gets a game between BYU and Coastal Carolina. The Cougars travel to the Myrtle Beach area to play the game on short notice. And BYU gets a lot of props for this. Because they could have waited to see if Cincinnati would fall to Tulsa. There were going to be two chances for Tulsa to beat Cincinnati, but uh, now there's only going to be one because that has been scrapped. 
But BYU, they strapped it up and they went to play. And Coastal Carolina is a great story. (laughs) Just a tremendous story. And what a great football game that was. I mean, it (laughs) really does make you wonder. It's like, do we really need to set our football schedules five, six years in advance? (laughs) Uh, Heard an idea floated that, uh, yeah, there should be maybe uh, like an open date that everybody just goes out there and uh, does it pickup style. Let's go find an opponent on short notice and let's play ball. <laughs> this game, if if everyone turned out like that, that would be excellent stuff. All right, we are going to break down NFL and college football play-by-play crews. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show from Black and Gold Bannerets, Eric Lopez, and from the Sons of UCF, Adam Eaton. Gentlemen, thank you both for being here. It is awesome to be here. This is uh, this is the, the band back together again here. Yeah, quite an esteemed panel you have here, Jeff. Good job. Nice book. <laughs> Appreciate that. And, uh, and of course, uh, we're going to do some, uh, yeah, when, when they hear your names, they're thinking, oh, they're going to do a UCF podcast. Well, we'll come back and do a roundtable postmortem sometime down the road because we still have to do that. But uh, the three of us share uh, a, a keen interest in uh, television broadcasting and the ins and outs and the, the, the people who do the work. So we thought we would have a little uh, broadcaster breakdown and, uh, and have some fun with it. So if you guys are ready, I am. Yeah, let's roll. I'm ready to go. Ready. All right. Okay, let's start with the Tiffany Network, CBS, and uh, I'm going to go through a a few of the broadcast teams here, and I'm going to start off, and I know this will probably make Eric pretty happy because I know he's a big Jim Nance fan. Uh, So the the, the number one team at CBS is Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wilson. And um, I'll tell you my thought on this broadcast crew, and I'm not as big of a Jim Nance fan as Eric is. as far as nuts and bolts play-by-play, he, I think he's great. I think he's a little schmaltzy, a little, you know, but kind of being a little cartoon character, character, char- characterish, easy for me to say, uh, as I become one myself. Um, but I will say this, you know, I think Jim Dance was saddled so badly by Phil Sims for so many years that uh, it was a great improvement to have Tony Romo come in and just be so spectacular and be the, uh, be the guy who could psychically tell you what's going to happen and, and bring his sense of humor and things like that. And Tracy Wilson obviously, obviously has uh, been a solid uh, uh, sideline contributor for many, many years at CBS. Uh, you know, I would definitely rate this team in a positive light, uh, but we'll, Eric, we'll start with you. Uh, let me hear it. Well, by the way, the reason why Jeff keeps saying that is because my uh, Twitter uh, photo is of me with Jim Nance, (laughs) which I met him at the American Conference Men's Basketball Tournament when it was held here at the Amway Center. That was like my highlight. Awesome guy. Very nice going, you know, easy going, talk to him about a bunch of different topics. So, uh, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. I like his calls. Uh, I think he's grown on me as a football play-by-play guy. Obviously, he's more known for golf. That's his voice. Uh, that's really the the signature sport. I mean, I can't imagine a Masters without Jim Nance. So, but him and Romo, you nailed it. I, I think to me, what Tony Romo has done to the industry from an analyst standpoint has been incredible. He's the most popular analyst for football since John Madden, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And 
in a lot of ways, Nance is the perfect guy because he's got a little Pat Summerall. And that's one of his people he looked up to is Pat Summerall. He worked with Pat Summerall. And I think this is kind of this generation's version of Pat Summerall and John Madden in a lot of ways. Because now people are looking forward to circling Hey, Tony Romo and Nance are doing the game. I mean, they're going to do this year's Super Bowl. Nance just got uh, Nance's contract up, by the way, in 2021, which is going to be fascinating. And there's reports that he wants Romo money. I think that's more leverage. I think he wants to get paid more than Joe Buck and uh, Mike Tirico make around 10 million, and I think he deserves it. So uh, you're net, you're right. I'm a huge fan of this crew. Such an upgrade over Nance and Sims, and Tracy Wolfson's solid in the sideline. But to, to me, uh, they're a great tandem, and and I enjoy it a lot. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I think you used the word schmaltzy, I think, to describe Nance. The word I, I actually wrote down was gubernatorial. He seems very, <laughs> um, very presidential, very, um, you know, you, you, I think the Romo element's been interesting because it's allowed him, I think, to break out of his shell a little bit. I think, you know, Sims kind of had him as a, maybe maybe had him pegged as like a stodgy kind of broadcaster, but I think Romo's kind of brought out a little bit of excitement with him. And I'll also add that as a Cowboys fan, I'm always happy to see a Cowboy replace a Giant. That's always good news for me. But <laughs> I think, you know, listen, I agree with Eric. They're the, you know, they're the the it tandem right now. They're the it crew. My question is just this again, as self-admitted Tony Romo fan, self-admitted Cowboy fan, how does Romo evolve as a broadcaster, right? Year one and year two were great. It was all this clairvoyancy. It was all this. He was calling out the bubble screen before the bubble screen was even called. How do you continue to evolve that? Because now, you know, audiences are going to expect that. And if he's not calling out plays, are they disappointed in that? So that's really my, my question with this group. I think they have a, you know, a long runway because I think Romo is a, is a super talent. But how does he evolve as a broadcaster? The only quirk I would have with him this year is to me, I don't want to see him get into that John Gruden cartoon character phase where he's always yelling out, you know, excitable expressions and things like that. Um, although that is his personality. And I think that that's helpful to come across as, as natural. I don't want him to become a, a caricature of a broadcaster. I think that's kind of what Gruden became in the latter years with Spider 2Y Banana, all that stuff. I don't want that to happen to Roman because I do think he's got a lot of valuable insight but gold standard of a crew. I think, you know, Nance is a pro. I agree with Eric. I mean, golf, if I had to rank Nance's broadcasting stuff, I would go golf one, football two, college basketball three. I just don't like him as a college basketball announcer personally. Um, but he's grown on me as a football announcer. I think it, as much as he was good for Romo, I think Romo has been good for him as well. And I think their, their, I you know, their marriage, their odyssey together, um, I think has helped reinvent um, Jim Nance. So the contract thing will be interesting, right? Because he wants to get on that Romo, you know, money neighborhood block. So we'll see how that goes. But anytime these two are on, I mean, it certainly is a, it's a, it's an enjoyable listen. It's an easy listen. Um, and it's always in, informative and entertaining. Yeah. I, w- I would like to get 5% of Romo money. That, that, that would be okay with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, I will say about Romo, the thing why I think he will be fine is when you listen to him, it's almost like you're talking to your buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's not talking down to you. You know what I mean? Like you just feel like, Oh man, this is a cool guy. I want to hang out with, right. Talk football with, He's got that personality that works in TV and he's not afraid to make fun of himself and make fun of, you know, and be lighthearted. And I think that's, that was something that Madden did. You know, Madden would always kind of make fun, you know, the turducken and and things like that. And Romo has that and he connects. And I think, I think he'll be fine. I, 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 from a long-term standpoint. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, the only thing, you know, that I miss about Phil Sims being gone is the Twitter feed Phil Sims quotes that used to put out all this, all the stupid stuff that he would say during a broadcast. 
<laughs> yeah, I think, listen, I think, you know, again, my only call is just not becoming a, a cartoon character, right? And yeah. I think, I, I, you know, you can certainly go over the top with it if he if he wants to. He hasn't yet. And I guess it's just a caution of let's let's keep it that way because I agree, Eric, you want to talk to your friend about sports and a guy about football, but you also want him to know football, right? And as long as Romo keeps that as his core, I think, yeah, his personality will shine through. He'll be fine. But if it starts to become more of Romo, the sideshow, more of Romo, the excitable, yelling out, screaming right. kind of but stuff. But no, he knows his – he knows his football because oh, I remember sure. he, earlier this year, If I don't know if you saw the broadcast, it was the Chiefs and the Chargers game he did. And that was the game where Justin Herbert uh, came in as a starter as an emergency because they punctured Tyrod Taylor's uh, uh, chest. So Herbert was the emergency starter. And Romo picked up on things during the game that said, hey, this guy's great. He's going to be a yeah. great one. And he was able to notice some things in a couple of drives. And he's proven to be correct. I mean, look at the year Justin Herbert had. Back then, there were so many questions about this kid. And Romo can figure things out. So he's got a knack to – and I think he's a study holic when it comes to tape. And I think he uh, – I think that from that standpoint, I think still that football knowledge will still be there because I think, I think he has the passion for it. Yeah. No, no question about that. So the number two team at CBS is Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, and Evan Washburn on the sideline. And I will say that I'm pretty positive on this one as well. And I'm a huge Ian Eagle fan. I think Ian Eagle, I think, might be the best play-by-play guy out there, no matter the sport. I think he's a he's solid, great sense of humor, doesn't, doesn't overwhelm you with it. Uh, and I think he does a good job of setting up his his analysts. And, of course, Charles Davis, uh, we all remember him from morning shows uh, here in Orlando, working for Sunshine Network, and he's worked his all, all way all the way through up through college football at Fox and and the NFL. And, you know, here he is on the number two team at CBS. And Charles, you know, is uh, is solid. Uh, you know, I don't think he does anything controversial. I think he's very likable, and he – kind of shoots it straight down the middle and has some, some, some decent knowledge there. And Evan Washburn, you know, he's okay on the sideline. Don't have any hard feelings with him one way or the other there. Adam, let's go with you on this one. Yeah, I think Ian Eagle is, I, can I call him underrated? I don't know even know if that's a way to, to I think so. It. I think he, he's just a professional broadcaster, right? I think you could plug him into a situation and a sport, uh, a time, uh, a situation, a moment, whatever. And I think Ian Eagle will deliver you a, a quality professional broadcast. And I think that's what you can expect from him. Does the same on basketball. He does the same on football. I like the low-key snarkiness that he throws in every now and again. He's not afraid to be a little bit... Uh, uh, you know, a little bit sarcastic at times. It has been a change not having him with Dan Fouts. Obviously, he was a long time, you know, it was, it was what was it, the Eagle and the Bird or uh, yeah. whatever their, their nicknames were, right? But um, it's, been, it's been weird not having him with Fouts. But I, I, I like Charles Davis. To your point, I grew up with Charles Davis on the Sunshine Network. He was always calling those obscure college football games that you only got on Sunshine, and he struggled back in those days. And if you had told me 15, 20 years ago that Charles Davis would be the number two announcer on a, an NFL crew, I would not have believed you. But I think he's done a um, – it's interesting because, you know, at least for us in Florida, we've had a chance to watch him develop, and it's, it's not often you get to see that. So um, I think Charles has done a nice job. I think he's a very serviceable, um, you know, color analyst. I think he does a nice job with uh, with being, um, you know, both um – you know, he's easy to listen to. He's not overbearing in, in, in his analysis. He's pretty simplistic. He breaks the game down for you and doesn't talk to you at a high level. He talks to you at a pretty uh, a pretty easy level for you to understand what happens. Um, I think it's a really good crew. I never have an issue when, when, when those fellows are on the mic. Um, but I think Ian Eagle is definitely, to your point, Jeff, he's definitely an underrated broadcaster in my opinion. Derek? 
Well, he's not going to be underrated much longer because uh, there's been reports that his contract is up soon, right around the same time. And I think this Jim Nance decision here that CBS and Nance, you know, comes in this summer will have an impact on Ian Eagle because let's say – Nance and CBS don't come to terms, which I don't think is going to happen. I think they're going to come to terms. But let's say it doesn't. Maybe CBS decides, hey, let's give the keys to Ian Eagle now to be the new face of CBS if we don't come to terms with Jim Nance. Kind of like 30 years ago when they, them and Brent Musburger didn't come to terms and Brent left and Jim Nance kind of took over. Could we see something like that? I don't know about that. I think Nance resigns. But let's say Jim Nance does resign and he gets a big raise. I think that's going to be at Ian Eagle's expense. And I think Ian at that point, could become a marquee guy, a guy that an ABC ESPN might target to be maybe their new lead voice of the NFL if they keep the package for Monday Night Football or an enhanced package and maybe do some NBA and stuff like that. So I'm very fascinated by the, you know, keep an eye on the Nats negotiations because let's say Nash, Nance gets $12 million a year. Well, that's got to come out. That's going to come at the expense of somebody. And it could be Ian Eagle. And Ian Eagle might say, you know what? It's time for me to move on because I'm kind of here as the number two. I'm just speculating here. But I think he's phenomenal. Uh, I think he's tremendous. He could do – I love it. I'm personally – I enjoy him more in basketball, but that's because I'm biased towards NBA. I think he's phenomenal. Uh, I think you guys nailed it on Charles Davis. It's funny. You mentioned him in Sunshine Network. He used to work with Andrew Monaco, yes. who's now the radio voice of Texas A&M and used to be with the Magic and, of course, the Spurs. Uh, and, of course, obviously, you guys have notified Charles used to do a radio show in Orlando. Yeah, I worked Pat with Clark. Andrew back in the day. Did you? So, there you yeah, go. Great yeah. guy. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Down to earth. Uh, but, you know, you guys know that. I miss Dan Fouts personally. Uh, nothing against Charles, but I think you guys nailed Charles pretty well. I just enjoy the Eagle Fouts wit that they have. I'm a big fan of that, and I do miss that. And I feel bad for Fouts because I feel like in some ways he may have gotten, even though they brought in Charles Davis, I feel like Fouts, because Romo got the big contract, might have been at the expense of Fouts because Fouts' contract was up, you know. And so I feel I, I miss that group personally, but, you know, I mean, I'm not going to knock Charles. I think you guys nailed Charles pretty well. And the uh, third team at uh, CBS uh, goes like this. Kevin Harlan, Trent Green, and Melanie Collins. Kevin Harlan, of course, he's uh, probably more known for his Westwood One radio calls of uh, the cat on the field and the Cowboys-Giants game, the uh, – uh, I guess what was it the uh, the person that ran on the field uh, uh, a game or two before that, um, and of course Kevin Harlan is a you know longtime NBA guy too, and uh, certainly uh, is a, a a great and exuberance, uh, uh, no regard for human life, and uh, you know he can be a little over the top, but uh, he does over the top without being you know. I guess I guess the word I'm trying to say over the top without being obnoxious, if if that makes any sense. Uh, uh, Trent Green, uh, you know, he's been with CBS quite a while. He, you know, he worked with uh, he worked with uh, Greg Gumbel quite a bit uh, uh, for a while there. Melanie Collins, the sideline reporter, really can't say speak to her very much. I haven't seen her work a whole lot, heck of a lot, so I won't waste much uh, opinion on that. But uh, uh, you know, still a solid uh, broadcast team with, with uh, Kevin Harlan and Trent Green, Anna. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with Harlan. I prefer him as a basketball announcer, right? The the no regard for human life and, uh, you know, all of his legendary. When, when I hear Kevin Harlan's voice, for some reason, I'm just on TNT at 8.30 at night watching a playoff game. That's just where my mind goes, right? So um, I, I think 
he's he's in that like we're going to talk about this guy later on but he's in that that gus johnson like always excited category for me right every play he's really excited about if it's a screen pass for five he's excited you know if it's a you know one yard loss he's excited and at first i think initially it always kind of throws you off because at basketball there's so much action back and forth back and forth back and forth that that excitement kind of adds to the broadcast at football it's hard to make a one yard gain exciting Hmm. and initially when i first ever listened to him as a football broadcaster i'm like okay like it's over the top here let's just let's just bring it down notch but it sounds like that's just his personality right it sounds like that's just the way he broadcasts games with a little bit of excitement I think as a viewer it took me some time to get used to that though right I had to recalibrate my brain to get used to him as a football announcer because in basketball he was just so he's so good because the action is so fast and his excitement level matches that so I think if you if you don't know him as a football announcer and you turn it on for the first time it may take you a few minutes to to kind of adjust that at least at least it does for me but once you do yeah again professional broadcaster knows the ins and outs um Trent Green, I could take him or leave him. I mean, I have nothing against him personally, but I, I also don't tune into a game because Trent Green is on. Um, to, to be fair, CBS has a bunch of guys. We may talk about some of these guys later on the, down the road. But, it, you know, sometimes I forget who the guy, if I don't, you know, if I didn't see the open. Um, so admittedly, I watch a lot of NFL on Red Zone channels. So I hear these guys in snippets. And so sometimes I'm like, wait, is that, is that Adam Archuleta? Is that Trent Green? It takes me a minute to even remember who's in the booth. And maybe that's actually more of a compliment than a knock because there's nothing about Trent Green that makes me cringe but there's nothing that makes me go oh my goodness here's the future of broadcasting so I think it's a I'm indifferent to this team again I think it takes you a while to get used to Harlan I like his energy I like it more in the NBA but I mean professional broadcaster you you can't go wrong when he's on the call Eric I think with Harlan he just re-signed with CBS Um, in fact that was one of the reasons one of the reasons he could not do the conference finals for the NBA in the bubbles because he had NFL commitments and they promoted him he's now the number three guy he passed Greg Gumbel which I agree with I think Harlan I agree Harlan's more natural in the NBA I mean I everybody the big question in the NBA circles is is it going to be him Ian Eagle who we've talked about or Brian Anderson that's going to be the heir apparent to Marv Albert for the NBA on TNT to be the voice of the NBA on TNT. Some believe this could be Marv Albert's last year. Uh, You know, last year, Brian Anderson kind of ended up doing the conference final by default because Harlan and Eagle both had NFL commitments. So the the irony is Harlan, you might know this, used to be the voice of the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he's always, he's been authentic. He's always been like this. uh, Excitable. I'm a personally a big fan. uh, He's really tremendous on the radio. If you guys get a chance, he's the voice on Westwood one with Kurt Warner. I personally like that tandem better than him with Trent Green. Now, in fairness, this is the first year he's working with Trent and he's known Trent, I think from the Kansas city days, but uh, I'm a fan with him on the radio with Kurt Warner and I, cause he lets it loose a little bit and he has great description of the game, which you have to in radio. Uh, whereas football, obviously on TV, you're more, you're kind of, the pictures kind of tell the story, but I'm a fan of his. I agree with Adam, what he said about Trent Green. I think that's pretty nailed on right there. I do know, it's funny you mentioned Melanie Collins. I actually do know Melanie Collins. I met her when she was at CBS Sports Network doing, and did some sideline national games when UCF was on. In fact, she, one of the last games she did in college was the UCF uh, USF game in 2016 in the pregame up in Tampa. And I hung out with her for the pregame. So that's my Melanie Collins story. <laughs> Eric Lopez, friend of the stars. Yeah. <laughs> I need more stories. Wow. You're killing me. Elo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, uh, the number four team, uh, and we mentioned uh, Greg Gumbel, you know, who was one time the lead NFL voice for CBS and has uh, been 
going down the ladder, so to speak. Uh, I think Greg still lives in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken, and he has teamed uh, with Rich Gannon. And, you know, kind of what Adam said about Trent Green, it's like, you know, Rich Gannon kind of falls in that same category. You probably, I probably wouldn't know which one was which <laughs> if, you know, uh, if they were to call in a game. So they kind of fall into that uh, vanilla category, I guess you would call it. Uh, Greg Gumbel, but, uh, you know, he's, you know, uh, Decent play-by-play guy, you know, brings a brings a nice personality, a good decent amount of wit, and you know, and of course, I still think of him from you know Sports Center from many many years ago. But uh, Eric, let's get your thoughts on this crew. Yeah, Greg's kind of had his better days behind him. I've always liked him better as a host, studio host, uh, you know. But he decided he liked the play-by-play, which I can I can understand, uh, you know, because remember when he was the the original number one when the CBS got the NFL back. Him and Phil Sims. He got to work the Super Bowl in Tampa when the Ravens beat the Giants. And then I want to say it was a few years later, it was a handful of years later, they decided to switch him and Nance. Nance was in studio and Gumble, and then they kind of switched it briefly. And then, of course, James Brown came over. So that made it easy for Gumble to just stay on the play by play. But I, you know, obviously, I don't think he's at the he's solid. He's okay, but his best days I think are behind him. I still prefer him as the studio, especially doing March Madness. I think he's still solid. Uh, I think you guys, I think you nailed Gannon pretty accurately. I might actually, I think Gannon actually has a slightly better personality than Trent Green, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I, it's you know they're solid or nothing that jumps out. Which again, I think worked to Romo's advantage. By the way, that's why he got the big contract because CBS didn't really have options behind Robo to replace him. So, and I think we're kind of showing that by as we going as we go through each team here. So, uh, but they're solid right there in the middle. It would have been interesting because remember uh, Gumble a couple of years ago worked with Bruce Arians when Arians <laughs> took that year off. That would have been interesting. I had Arians stayed with broadcasting, but Arians was uh, terrible though. <laughs> <laughs> right, could have, but that was that was kind of like a train wreck. But you wonder, like, would that have gotten better? Or would they have just split up eventually? I always wonder about those kind of things when it just doesn't work. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I think Gumble's best days are behind him, and I think Studio College is really where he should be at and 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 moving forward. Kind of like his brother Brian, who does the great show at uh, Real Sports at HBO. Adam, yeah, I agree. I think you know he's a legend, obviously, in the industry, right? He's been around a long time. Uh, I think his best work is that studio show uh, for for March Madness. I think that's where he kind of shines. I think you know he was a the studio host, obviously, prior to James Brown. I think that's where he belongs. Uh, you know, serviceable broadcaster, of course, but um, he's not, you know he's not somebody that you tune in. It's not must listen to um, TV. Probably best suited in a studio. You know, I kind of like Rich Gannon, actually, as, as, a, as an analyst. I think he does a good mixture of, and, and it's kind of to the individual's per, uh, you know, perspective, right? But I, I like a little bit of X's and O's at times in, in, my, in my broadcast. And I think Rich is actually pretty solid in that respect of explaining to you why the tight end was open and explaining what the quarterback was looking at. I think he's actually stronger in that area than maybe a Trent Green, um, you know, would be. I often wonder, though, how, you know, how a guy like Greg Gumbel, again, to your point, Eric, he's gone down the ladder, you know, each and every single time, um, you know, you kind of wonder where you know what his passion what his interest is because you know he, he certainly could do a lot of things I, I i just wonder how long he wants to stay in with the booth for particularly as he kind of gets you know moved down but you know the cbs have options behind him to, to move into that spot who knows but um service you know uh, industry standard guy um certainly is a is a uh, as by all accounts a good person but you know probably not probably not one of those folks that is long term for the booth yeah. And the remaining four teams at CBS uh, go like this. Andrew Catalan and James Lofton, Spiro Didis and Adam Archuleta, Tom McCarthy, Jay Feely, Beth Moens and Tiki Barber. 
Of those crews, I think the one that kind of stands out to me is Andrew Catalan and James Lofton, who would be considered, I guess, the fifth crew there. And, uh, you know, I think Andrew Catalan is a very good play-by-play guy. I think he's better than average. Uh, and James Lofton, I think, is very underrated. I've heard, I heard a, he, you know, he, he really got to work his chops out on Westwood One on the radio for many, many years calling national games. And uh, I, think he, I think he does a really good job. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I, so it's interesting. When you look at the rest of this list, right, none of these names jump out at you. And, and so what's interesting about that is you could take that two ways. I guess if I'm, I'm a, you know, a network executive, I'm looking for the sizzle, I'm looking for the juice, and none of these guys really have that. But the other flip side for me as a viewer is I, I don't necessarily feel a drop-off as I'm switching between games or as games are coming on to the Red Zone channel. And, and so there are certain announcers' voices. We'll get to some of those later on. We'll all hear and I'll go, oh, it's that guy. The rest of these guys, they're not that I don't want to call them nameless and faceless because that's not, that I, don't mean, I don't mean that to be a knock on them, but I think they're very plug-and-play. And I think CBS has done a nice job of just assembling a good crew of solid professional broadcasters kind of at the end of their bench, quote-unquote. And you don't really see a drop-off from one crew to the next. You don't necessarily you know, tune in. And, and I can listen to a game for a while and not know who's doing the, the announcing. And I guess you could take that as a, as a knock to say, well, they, they, don't, they don't do anything to grab your attention, but they also don't do anything to, to kind of, you know, boil your blood or make you want to switch the channel. So I think the bottom crew for CBS, the, the bottom four crews you name there are fine. Spiro Didis is probably more of a basketball guy than a, than a football guy. Obviously, he's done the Nets. He's done the Lakers. Um, so for Mark me, he's probably, more of a, he's probably more of a, of a basketball guy than a, than a football guy. Um, you know, Tiki Barber, I think him and Beth Mounds are more spot duty. I don't think you hear them as, as much every week. Um, but I think it's just a solid crew down the sort of the end of the bench there. And I think CBS has done a nice job of just finding, you know, talented individuals who can, you know, who can call games. And as a viewer, you don't necessarily have an opinion one way or the other. And that's probably the sort of the Switzerland mentality, right? Just go right down the middle and be neutral about it. And so I don't, I don't necessarily know that. I, I agree with you on Andrew Canelod, but the rest of the folks in this list, I mean, they're um, indifferent, but I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah, you know, it could be like, uh, you know, a good uh, good official, you know, if you don't know their name, <laughs> they're doing yeah. a good job, right? <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's the, 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 the stance there. Eric, your thoughts? I love Andrew Catalan. The problem is they've stereotyped him because I feel like every other week he's calling a Jaguars game. <laughs> you know, and it's like, come on, man. He can't get out of the Jaguars' shadow. Like every game, oh, there's Andrew Catalan. He's the voice of the Jaguars. And I've you know, tweeted about it and he's joked about it. He's got a great humor about it. But I enjoy him on college basketball and football. I think he's great. Unfortunately, He's kind of been stereotyped. It's kind of like, oh, it's a bad team. That's probably Andrew Catalan. Because I, I agree with you. I like the Catalan uh, Lofton team. I think they uh, have trade upside. Lofton does great stuff on Westwood 1, 2 in the past. So uh, I wish they were move up. I would actually move them up over the Gumble team if I was kind of, kind of assigned, if I was at CBS, which would be great. Um, I'll speak on behalf of Beth Mowens, who kind of chips in, like Adam mentions, because I know Beth Mowens. This is from my softball background, obviously, uh, calling UCF softball since 2007 and hosting a softball podcast since 2015. I've had her on. I think she's great, and I think the compliment about her is she does football and I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? Because they had Pam Ward do it for a while, and I didn't like that at all. I think she's solid in doing a lot of variety of sports, and I think she, you know, she does a good job doing the football games, and I don't I have an issue. In fact, I listened to it a lot during the uh, Jaguar-Viking game that she just recently did. So I like Spiro Ditas, too. Um, 
he's got that deep voice, and he's, I like when he goes to break too. He's like, "Here on CBS," you know, I can't <laughs> do it like he does, but it, it's very good. But I, I think they're solid deep. Uh, McCarthy and Feely, I you know, I like Tom McCarthy more doing baseball. If people know that he calls he the Phillies. Phillies. I think he, I like it better in the Billies. I'm not, you know, Feely I can do without, but, you know, you can't, you know, it's when you're going six, seven, eight deep, you're going to have some things. I was kind of surprised. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, no more Steve Berline. Uh, that, so he's kind of the one that got cut out at the end here. Uh, he's not been a part of it. So uh, that surprised me a little bit, but they like Feely and know those guys. But, uh, you know, that, that I, I'm a big Catalan fan, but I, I wish they would give him better games. Yeah, well, he he may get that chance uh, to move up the ladder as uh, as we you know, especially if uh, Eric, you make the decision. So we'll make make sure you get that call at some point. Let's uh, turn things over to Fox, the other big uh, NFL distributor of games on our Sundays and occasional primetime opportunities. And of course, the lead team is Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Aaron Andrews. Uh, Mike Herrera is their they're, they're, I guess their sole uh, uh, officiating uh, guy that they, that they get to uh, have exclusively for the most part. Uh, you know, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with this broadcast crew. Uh, to me, I think Joe Buck is highly overexposed. Um, and, and I've never been a super fan of his. I think he does baseball better than football. Uh, obviously, that's his background and, uh, uh, and his lineage. Uh, but uh, I, I find him a little irritating. And Troy Aikman is kind of an enigma to me because Troy is just too bland. And, you know, I, I hear him on Dan Patrick. And when he did Fox's NFL draft a couple of years ago, he was very insightful, which really surprised me. And I'm like, that's the Troy Aikman I want to see do football, uh, especially kind of like, you know, you know, when he covers topics like with Dan Patrick, you know, he's not afraid to say it. And, and, and have a strong opinion. So I would like to see more of that from him. Uh, so that's kind of my uh, ramblings on this team. Erin Andrews, obviously, uh, uh, I, she was in the Florida market for a while, I believe here, here in Orlando at one time. Um, you know, and she, and she, does a, she does a fine job, so I have no uh, particular issues with her one way or the other. Eric, let's start with you on this one. So <clears throat> I'm a huge Joe Buck fan. I have actually interviewed him on the when I used to do a radio show on the weekends uh, in the Orlando market. Very easygoing. I think I like his second. It's funny. He won a lot of his sports Emmys when I thought he was very bland. I think he's been great the last seven, eight years. I do agree with you. I think baseball is he's tremendous, um, his calls. But it's funny. He hasn't gotten as many Emmys. When he's, I think he's done better work. Like I think he's a better football broadcaster now than he was, say, 10, 12 years ago. When, he, by his own words, he kind of tried to do a, a Pat Summer on impersonation. Uh, I, I think he's fantastic. I wonder. I agree with you about Aikman being a little bland, which is kind of weird because he shows those glimpses where you're like, "Oh, that's really good stuff and insight and X's and O's." But he is kind of bland, and I wonder. It reminds me when Buck worked with McCarver to some extent, and then he got a jolt when John Smoltz joined him for for that, uh, and they kind of really revived that baseball booth. I wonder if there was somebody with a bigger person. Like if Buck would have gotten Romo, I think you might get more out of Buck even as play-by-play in football instead of kind of with Troy where they kind of know each other. It's pretty simple. Like it would have been interesting if if Collinsworth would have stayed – and they would have continued that three-man booth. Would have been interesting to see how that would have done moving forward with Buck now compared to what Buck was 13 years ago. So uh, I'm a Buck fan. 
Aaron, you mentioned, obviously, very well did the Lightning and a bunch of stuff. I actually met her at the uh, Citrus Bowl about a decade ago when she was at ESPN working the Penn State uh, game against uh, – it was LSU. Not the greatest moment to meet her, though, because that was when she had uh, the issues with the peephole and everything. Oh, good. It's, yeah. yeah. And so let's just say there was a comment that was made – in the elevator and she took it the wrong way and she took it out on me. So I'll just leave it as that. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, we might eventually get to somebody on the list that Eric doesn't know. <laughs> Adam, your thoughts. Actually, I want to follow up on that, on that story, but no, um, I think, uh, so yeah, Joe Buck to me, again, I, I, there's a lot of Joe Buck hate out there and it's interesting to me because, you know, he's very polarizing in that respect. I, I agree with everything you guys have said. Uh, I think baseball is probably his best lane. I think he's improved a, a bunch at, as a, uh, as a football uh, announcer. Yeah, don't forget, when he first started, they actually made him be the studio host, and then he went and did the, the play-by-play for the, for the main game, you know, back when, when you know, he first took over. So I think he's, he's grown a long way. I, I kind of agree with Eric, though. I see, I see Buck as a bit of like an anarchist, and, and I wonder how he, you know, sometimes if you're an anarchist, you, you team with another anarchist, and, you know, all, all hell breaks loose. And I kind of wonder, to, to Eric's point, if he had somebody who would be willing to play that, you know, that, that role with him, where he could go. I think he's super sharp. Um, I like he's very quick-witted. You know, he, he picks up on things quickly. He's, he doesn't leave a, a moment uh, past where he can maybe make a comment or, or take an opportunity for a joke. You know, I think he gets polarized for cer- certain things. He's the kind of guy that, you know, the minute he takes the mic, half the teams, you know, uh, fans think that he hates their team already before he's even spoken. He does speak with an arrogance in some respects. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I can see where people come across as arrogant. He seems to always get slandered for the Randy Moss uh, disgusting act on their air comments, right? But I, I, think, I think he's an anarchist. I like him. Uh, um, I think he's quick-witted. I like that he's able to, you know, uh, no pun intended here because I know he's had some serious issues, but let his hair down at times, right? <laughs> I, I think with, with Aikman, it's, it's so funny to me because a, a person who's been in this career for so long, it's almost like he doesn't know who he is. It's almost like he's, he's not quite sure who he wants to be as a broadcaster. And I could see that if he was in year one or year two, right? When you're kind of new and you don't know if you want to rip your former players and the guys you just played with and coaches you played with. And so you're kind of fine on your way. But I mean, he's, he's been doing this gig for, for so long now. You, you almost don't know it's almost like he doesn't know who he wants to be. I, I heard his Cowboys call on Tuesday night and he, he rips the Cowboys to shreds. Uh, what's Jerry Jones doing? What's this team going to do? And I was like, okay, let's go. Let me hear what this is. He's got some insight. And then he can just kind of stops. And then he's, you know, second and five, there's a check down. And you just wonder, it's almost like he doesn't know who he wants to be. And I, I think that's, it's really interesting as you, as you get this far in your career, at some point, you know, you kind of are who you are. And for whatever reason, to your point, uh, Jeff, he's, he's cer- certainly open on different interviews you do, but you seem like you get a different, Aikman in the booth, whether he's trying to be restrained on purpose because he wants to protect relationships and sometimes it kind of gets out there for him, but it's, it's interesting to me, but uh, you know, at some point you think you, you got to figure out who you are as a broadcaster. I feel like he's still, you know, even though this far in his career still doesn't quite understand that yet. Yeah. And sometimes he kind of falls back on that crutch too, of just, you know, constantly just re retelling you what you just saw without any real XO type analysis to it. So uh, uh, definitely, a, uh, as you said, this is a polarizing group uh, in, in many different ways. Second team at Fox is Kevin Burkhart, Daryl Johnston, the Moose, and Pam Oliver. Uh, Kevin Burkhart, you know, I kind of put in that Iron Eagle class. I think he's uh, definitely a super solid play-by-play guy. He does good studio work, as we know as well. 
Moose is uh, interesting because, uh, uh, you know, he's really just got elevated back to the number two team. He'd been going down the depth chart at Fox for a little bit. He was number two with uh, uh, with uh, Kenny Albert and uh, Tony Siragusa when they had the, the, the Moose and Goose uh, thing going on there, which was had some entertainment value there. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and Moose, I think, is one of those guys who's kind of plays it right down the middle and not too controversial, not uh, and certainly very likable. Uh, Pam Oliver has been doing this a long time, was on the number one team for many, many years. And um, I actually, now I can say I met Pam Oliver. And uh, this was back in 1994 when the Magic made the playoffs for the first time, played at Indiana, and she was an ESPN field reporter at the time. And, uh, and she's very tall. <laughs> uh, so the, let's get uh, thoughts on this uh, crew. Uh, Eric? I, I like Burkhart. Great studio guy, too. Uh, very versatile. Like, I wouldn't be opposed if he hosted the NFL pregame show, for example. He does a great job hosting the baseball pregame show, but does good job play-by-play. Daryl Johnston's a kind of a placeholder. You know, they lost Charles Davis. That kind of hurt them a little bit. Uh, I think they were thinking of getting Greg Olson. That's been the word that they've got a deal done with Greg Olson. And whenever Greg Olson retires, he's going to be the number two guy. And they've kind of had some weird luck here because remember they signed Jay Cutler couple years ago and then he kind of took the 10 million dollars from the Dolphins to come back out of retirement and so it, they've tried some different things I don't think they've been able to figure out that number two I think Daryl's just a conservative placeholder until Greg Olson arrives whenever that is and I'm curious how that will go because obviously now networks are going to try to find the next Tony Romo you know that's going to be the next wave here but I like Burkhart. Uh, Pam Oliver is fine, solid professional. Get it. Um, but I like Ian Eagle way more. Like, if, if we're ranking the number twos in the networks, I think Ian Eagle's better. And I would take Eagle and Dave. I mean, losing Charles Davis hurt Burkhart and Fox more than CBS's gain, if that makes sense. I thought that was a significant loss. Adam? Yeah, I, I like Burkhardt as well. He's solid. I, I do think he's probably better on the baseball side of things. Um, interestingly enough, though, I think him and Olsen worked the XFL together. So I think to Eric's point, yep. they were kind of marrying those two together. I think Olsen surprised everybody and signed with Seattle for a final season. Uh, got injured, but made a comment that he doesn't want to go out that way. So who knows if he's coming next year, if he's coming back, if he's going to go to the broadcast booth. I think obviously Greg Olsen is 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 long for that spot. Yeah, Daryl Johnson reminds me of, you know, I think Eric said it better, but probably the substitute teacher, you know, comes in, you know, can continue. Can, can teach class, you know, can give you the algebra homework, you know, understands how to do the formulas, but you know, you know, your real teacher's coming in soon, you know, knows enough to get you by, but isn't somebody that you would go to for, for math advice, right? Um, former Cowboys. So again, I always have, you know, uh, a soft spot for Cowboys. I, I think Burkhart's interesting though, because you, you said the word earlier, Jeff, you said overexposed. And, and, you know, you, you wonder with Fox in particular, they seem to do this with guys. Joe Buck is, is one. I think Adam Amin, who we're going to talk about later on, is, is probably in that same category where they, they find two or three talents and they spread them across all these different formats, right? Joe Buck was doing golf at some point. Joe, Joe Buck has no business doing golf, by the way. Um, and so you, you wonder, you know, is Kevin Burkhart going to get in that same boat? Is he going to be overexposed? You know, and, and is that a good or bad thing? I guess you can argue that either way. Um, I think he's solid. I think he does a really good job in the baseball show. I think he's a good foil for A-Rod and Big Pop 
Volpe on that show. Um, he's a he's a solid play by play guy. Really, no qualms with that too. I think he's probably Fox's heir apparent. Um, you know, you you wonder if anything ever happens with you know uh, with Nance and Eagle gets promoted. You know, I don't know what I don't know what Burkhart's contract is, but would CBS ever make a run at him at some point because he's you know he's he's a pretty talented young guy. Um, I like him a ton. Uh, Daryl Johnson, nice guy, but obviously I think we all we all recognize kind of where his his spot is, and hopefully he bumps down and takes you know one of those other roles you know further down the bench for Fox, um, you know because he's he's certainly been a, a good soldier for them over the years. All right, and the uh, third team uh, for this particular network, Adam Amin, who you brought uh, up just a moment ago, Mark Schlereth and Lindsay Zarniak, and uh, I think this is a really good team. Uh, Adam Amin obviously is a rising star, uh, really uh, rose the, the ranks at ESPN and and played it, parlayed it into a great uh, job at a big network. Uh, I've always liked Mark Schlereth. I, I'm a big fan of his from his uh, ESPN studio days, uh, doing NFL Live, and uh, he's very entertaining doing a game, and he has to be relieved he's not working with Dick Stockton anymore mm. <laughs> because I'm sure that was uh, quite a chore. And uh, Lindsay Zarniak uh, is, a, uh, is, a, is a pretty good uh, – you know, she, she's from ESPN, uh, D.C. Uh, area, and does a pretty uh, solid job uh, there as well. Eric, uh, what's your thoughts? So I'm going to qualify with this. I'm friends with Adam Amin. I've known Adam Amin for a while. I've seen him through the growing, through the ESPN days, obviously called softball. That's where I met him. So, But I had him on the podcast, ironically enough, a couple, few weeks before he uh, announced the that he was leaving ESPN to go to Fox because I had him, we were in the, I think it was the summer. Yeah, it was late summer. We had him on to talk about the War and I-4 game, the 2017 game he called with Dusty Dvorak, the UCF-USF game. And he said that was a significant game for him because that was a high-profile game for him, and it showed that he can handle a big marquee game. That was a significant game for him, and obviously the game being a classic and exciting game really helped him. He's very versatile. I think it's a great move. I personally would have him and Schlereth right now as my number two, to be honest with you, because uh, I agree with you. I think him and Schlereth have hit it off. I think Mark Schlereth is very underrated. I thought that was a, lo- a big loss for ESPN. I've enjoyed him. I agree with you. I mean, as much as I admire Dick Stockton for his work, should not have been paired up with Mark Schlereth. I think Schlereth has kind of now gotten promoted because of that. I think, Adam, you look at the baseball front, I think him and Joe Davis are kind of in position to take over for Joe Buck there as far as being the main guy for baseball on Fox. And I think in the NFL, uh, you know, I, I, I really like that group, but I think he's that was a great move for Fox. I think he'll flourish there. He's going to be the TV voice of the Chicago Bulls. So I don't think he will be as exposed. Because I think I know, I know where Adam's going with that because you're, I do agree with Adam's premise that Fox tends – more than any network, overexposed their guys. Remember when Gus Johnson was used on soccer? Soccer, yeah. And that was that was rough. And I don't know if, to some extent, Gus may have not recovered from that. Um, yeah. So I do con- I do worry about that. But I think Adam is versatile. He could do a lot of different sports. He's done it. He's called softball. He's called wrestling. I've seen it. I've seen it up close. Hard worker. I think it was a great move. I think the future is bright with him. It wouldn't surprise me uh, if he's, you know, like I say, he's going to be calling marquee games and playoff games. Uh, both baseball and football for them, I think, for years to come. Adam? 
Yeah, I mean, home run hire for Fox, right? Luring him from ESPN where he did so much stuff. I mean, obviously college football. Uh, he was doing uh, women's college basketball. I think he was the lead voice for them as well. Versatile guy, home run hire. Uh, listen, he's one of those first announcers too to me. Um, you know, and I don't know how old he is off the top of my head. I know he's a, a younger guy, but he, he's really kind of embraced the social media age. And, you know, obviously, you know, as a UCF fan, the the 2017, you know, calls he had were legendary. Um, and, and then after that, I started kind of paying more, more attention to him. And he had this Twitter, you know, thing one time, I think he was at an airport and he just started saying, Hey, this, name me somebody in the business and I'll tell you a story about them. And it was a legendary Twitter thread. It's probably still out there where he, people would just give him a name of a, somebody in the, in the business. And he would tell a story about how they helped them or how great they were, how much he admired them. And it, it to me, it was just such a genuine way of, of just kind of reaching the audience. He comes across that way, very genuine, very down to earth. This is who I am. This is how I call games. Um, and I, I, to me, that resonates. And and I can, and maybe it's because I have that connection because I read all that stuff and, you know, I kind of followed him a little bit. Um, I feel that connection. I think he's a really solid broadcaster. Schlereth, for me, here's the thing about Mark Schlereth. When I w- listen to their broadcast, sometimes because, you know, you close your eyes, am, am I listening to a radio show or am I listening to a broadcast? And I mean that as a compliment because it seems very conversational. They're having, they're having talks back and forth. They're talking about plays. They're not stepping on each other. They're making fun of each other a little bit. Then they're, they're having some lighthearted moments. It almost feels like you're listening to like a radio duo do a radio show together. And oh, by the way, a football game's going on in the background. And I actually kind of enjoy that because I don't, you don't get a lot of that chemistry from the other crews that, you're, that you have on this list here. And so I think that's the unique nature of it. And obviously it comes from Schlereth's radio background. You know, he, obviously he's an entertaining guy. Um, and I think that, I think that resonates well together. Um, and, and so I, I think this is a, this is a, a group that whenever they're on, I enjoy their, I enjoy listening to their calls. I will stop and listen to them probably more than others. Um, but I do think I agree with Eric. It's an entertaining group. You know, if you want to bump them up to, to number two in that list, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Um, you know, because I do think it's a, it's an entertaining listen. You learn a little about football. Um, they're both solid on what they do. Uh, and it's an enjoyable, you know, three, four and a half hours, depending on how long the game goes. All right, and the fourth team at Fox is uh, Kenny Albert, Jonathan Vilma, and Shannon Spake. Shannon Spake, of course, made her bones in uh, doing pit reporting for NASCAR. That's kind of where she became somewhat well-known. Uh, you know, Kenny Albert is, uh, you know, the pro's pro for a long, long time. Uh, and an outstanding play-by-play guy. He, I think he's a, a perfect guy for a young analyst like Jonathan Vilma to help uh, kind of get him – prepped and because he does a great job of uh, making the analyst work so uh, I think this is a pretty uh, pretty uh, decent crew uh, for a number four slot I would say their number four slots better than CBS's if I had to had to go uh, go that route Uh, what are your thoughts on that Adam yeah, I, I like Vilma a lot, actually. I think, you know, he was obviously the studio uh, college football uh, analyst for ABC on their sort of their, their main games. Uh, I, I thought he had the potential to be something a little different because, you know, he, he wasn't a cliche guy. He, he seemed like a guy who would give you a little bit more honesty, kind of tell you a little bit more how it is. I think that's a tough transition into the booth because you, you only have 30 second sound bites to do that. In the studio, I mean, he had more time. He had more runway to have those conversations. So I, I think he struggled a little bit with some of the timing elements of it. In his defense, I think he had three different play-by-play guys his first three weeks because Kenny Albert was doing the hockey stuff and couldn't get over. And so he, I think he had Dick Stockton actually for a week um, out of out of retirement, I think. Uh, and so I think he, he, he had a tough transition coming into it. I think I, I'm really interested to see how that hire works out because, I, I again, I liked him a lot at, at ESPN and ABC on, on that broadcast. I think he's just got to get used to the rhythm of a game. But I think he has the potential – to, to be a little bit different than some of the, you know, some of the canned answers, 
you said it earlier, you know, Jeff, when you said sometimes people just describe what you just saw as, as, as opposed to telling you why you saw it. I think he's got to learn that a little bit, but I think he's got the, the ability to do that. Kenny Albert, you said a pro's pro. I mean, lineage, obviously, with his, with his, with his father and his family. Um, you know, solid play-by-play guy. Uh, you know, doesn't miss a beat. I think he's got a little bit of humor in him, um, but I think he's a, he's a good foil. He's a good learner, uh, learning um, uh, mentor for, for Vilma. Um, I'm curious to see Vilma. He's, he's somebody I, you know, I'd highlight on this list to say, okay, I wonder where he's going to be at in five years. Where, where's his broadcast career going to go? Uh, but it's, it's a solid crew. I think um, I enjoy kind of listening to Vilma because I think you can hear week over week the growth. Um, so it's a crew I enjoy. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jeff, way better than the, the CBS number four position. Yeah. And of course, Kenny Albert, uh, you know, he's one of those guys who, who knows how to punch it up when the moment calls for it too. I, I think that's a good testament to him. Eric, your thoughts on that crew? The thing I'm interested about Kenny is it reports are he's a, one of the contenders to replace Doc Emmerich, who retired the legendary hockey voice to be the new voice of the NHL on NBC. He was tremendous. If you watch the hockey in the bubble, Kenny did like two, three games a day from Edmonton, uh, which is why he missed those first couple of weeks that Adam brought up because of the NFL, just the protocols and things like that. But he's a phenomenal hockey voice. That's his best sport. He does the hockey on the radio. I think he should be the heir apparent to Doc Emmerich. I don't think that will affect his NFL assignments because of the sports don't, you know, in a normal year. Uh, but I think he's solid. He's the – and he, clearly he's the guy, and I think this was the, the reason they put Vilma with him. He's the guy that you feel comfortable putting a rookie analyst with, right? Because he's, he's worked with the Barber boys. He's worked with you know, different analysts. Um, and he's that solid guy, very versatile. You put the rookie in there and have him groom him. And I think that's what you're seeing here with Vilma. I'm a Shannon Spake fan. She's a Dolphin fan, which I like as a Dolphin fan. Did you know, by the way, since we're UCF guys, you know she was the sideline reporter for the 2014 Fiesta Bowl when UCF beat Baylor. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, candid the trophy. So, uh, I like that crew a lot. Very sneaky good. I'm a Kenny Albert fan. I hope he gets the NHL gig to be the lead voice. Uh, But I think he's solid in football. And uh, I think think Vilma is intriguing. I think Adam nailed it as far as Vilma. I'm intrigued. I've been pleasantly surprised because I was skeptical coming in. How is he going to do in studio? But so far, you know, it's been good. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think he definitely has potential. Uh, the next team is Kevin Kugler, Chris Spielman, and Laura Oakman. Uh, you know, Kevin Kugler, uh, a lot of work for Westwood One on radio. I've heard him do a lot of stuff there. He's a, he's a very good nuts and bolts play-by-play guy. I've always been a Chris Spielman fan, and uh, if I recall, he was uh, with Sean McDonough on that Fiesta Bowl uh, broadcast that you brought up there, Eric. That's correct. Um you know, and I've always liked Chris Spielman's work. I think he uh, does a great job with uh, the analysis portion of it, has a, has a good sense of humor, and, and I think he's not afraid to call something out if he sees it. So uh, I think that's a, a pretty good crew. Eric, your thoughts? He was with Sean McDonough. I thought that was a great team in college football. And yeah. this is the thing, and maybe Adam and you, Jeff, maybe you got answers on this. I'm confused with what Fox does. They brought in Spielman and Brock Hewitt. I'll, I'll, they're both college guys. They try him for college for a year, but then they move him permanently to the NFL. And I just find that weird. Not that Spielman's bad in the NFL, but I kind of got used to him doing the college game. And I'm just shaking my head in the decision process there about why make him permanently NFL. Was that the vision all along? Is that what Spielman wanted? Is that what Brock Heward wanted? Um and obviously, we have to mention, originally, Spielman was was with Tom Brenneman. And I think this would have been 
the case yeah. if it wasn't for the fact that the fiasco that Tom Brenneman had with Cincinnati. Yeah, and then and, and they also had Spielman with a three band booth with Charles Davis a, a few times too. Right, right, and so uh, yeah, that's a great point. And so I'm just I feel like he's lost there. You know, he had a prominent role with McDonough. I thought that you know they you mentioned it. They called the Fiesta Bowl. That was a great tandem. So I'm just kind of confused with his role there. And Kugler is kind of filled in because he basically got it because Brenneman basically was, you know, not let go, but basically he's out for the year. Maybe he's fired eventually at Fox. Who knows uh, what happened? But he's obviously known more for the Westwood One stuff, and he's done stuff on the Big Ten Network. So I, 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 I'm just – this whole thing kind of is confusing to me. I feel like this is just a one-year thing. I don't know if this – how long is this going to last? Are they going to – I feel like a year from now, we're going to be talking about Spielman paired up with somebody else and maybe Kugler's paired up with somebody. I mean, I just feel like this is uh, a, something they just put in patchwork on short notice, and, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. Adam? Yeah, I don't want to jump ahead, but I, I, yeah, I think Eric hit the nail on the head, right? I, I, I said it with the CBS crew, that's sort of the bottom half, the, the bottom four, the bench, if you will, just solid professionals who, you know, made sense. They click well together, good broadcast. The the, the bottom two, as you have listed here, uh, Jeff, are, are just head scratching to me, right? Because it's almost like a, a hodgepodge of it. Like they, they just put announcers into like a into like a room and just kind of played e, meeny, miny, mo and pulled out whoever was there and that became the broadcast crew. Um, I agree with, with Eric. I have to sometimes remind myself that Spielman and Brock Heward don't do college football anymore because I'll I'll hear their voice and I'm like wait is that Brock Heward and I forget that he's not on ABC ESPN anymore or you know I, I used to Spielman I, I felt like every every week was at the 12 o'clock Ohio State game you know on ESPN and I have to just remind myself he's not there anymore so I mean good broadcasters don't don't get me wrong but they do feel a tad miscast and it feels like the this these bottom two crews are kind of a uh, maybe a hodgepodge. I think the Tom Brenneman point by, by Eric is a really good one. Obviously that, that, you know, obviously came out of left field, no pun intended. Uh, so it, it seems, you know, it does seem odd the way this was put together. Um, you know, but Alex Spielman, he's a good announcer, nothing against him. Coogler. I, I actually have heard him more on the radio than probably I've heard him on TV. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like it was kind of like, Hey, last minute, we got to put some crews together. You know, who do we have? And, and, and this is kind of what you came up with. Nothing against those individuals personally or, or their, you know, the way that they do the, the, the telecast, but it just doesn't seem like these are crews that you're going to get to know for a number of years, like a Nance and Romo or, you know, you know, a Burkhart and Johnson or a mean and Schlereth, whatever. These aren't crews that are going to be the other long-term. Yeah. Well, and let me, and I want to mention real quick, I would personally rather have Spielman or Heward with Joe Davis as the, yes. in the college football team. They had uh, Heward last year with Joe Davis. It was kind of like the number two team. Okay, that makes sense. All of a sudden, they put Mark Helfridge with Joe Davis, which I find is a bore. And you've got Heward and Spielman like all here in the bottom. I think they're better suited. I would pair them up if you want with – Joe Davis and put him on the college coverage. I'm just, I, I just, it's very agitating. Well, I don't understand. I know we haven't got to that yet. I don't want to jump ahead of you here, Jeff, but the bottom crew you have on this list is Chris Myers, Greg Jennings, Brock Heward. I don't understand Greg Jennings. You know, Brock Heward doesn't need a foil. He's been doing, he's a professional broadcaster. He's yeah. been doing it for years. I don't know what Greg Jennings brings to that booth per se. You know, if you want to give him reps and give him an opportunity, you know, maybe, maybe th- throw him in someplace else, right? Throw him in on a college broadcast, get him some reps, do something. I don't understand the Greg Jennings element of that. That, that, that always throws me off because I, I hear Heward, I hear Chris Myers. And then I'm like, who's that third voice? Oh yeah, that's Greg. Oh, why is Greg Jennings on the broadcast, by the way? And that's kind of how I always kind of digest that particular crew. But it almost feels like, you know, you know, Fox had plans 
agents. You know, maybe they had guys they want to sign. They were going after guys. I know Drew Brees is a big free agent. Obviously, he ended up going to NBC. You know, maybe they, they just thought they had other guys within their mixture that they were going to grab and, and couldn't do it. And it kind of became, okay, who's left? Um, but yeah, I mean, again, decent enough broadcasters. Just, just, it seems like this is just, you know, miscast uh, at the very end of our lineups. Yeah, and I kind of forgot to mention Chris Myers and Greg Jennings when I started on this particular segment of broadcasters. And, uh, you know, Chris Myers, a longtime preseason voice of the Tampa Bay Bucks, And, you know, and he has his shtick, but uh, and, and also does uh, – you know he does a, he does a decent job and he well, uh, much are, better host much better yeah, host much, much better host and, uh, and yeah, does a good r- job on the sideline. Rumors are he's going to take over for Len Casper on the Cubs broadcast. Oh. I think Len Casper went over to the White Sox, so yeah, I yeah. thought I saw he was the leading guy to take the 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 job on Marquee Network uh, there in Chicago for the Cubs. Yeah, no, you're, that's correct. I read that Casper is going to be the radio guy at the White Sox, uh, and then Keith Olbermann with a shot at Chris Myers, <laughs> which came out of nowhere for Twitter. That was kind of wild. I, I'm not a Chris. My- I mean, I like. Chris Myers' work. I used to love his show on Up Close. Up Close, yeah. Your host. Uh, it's kind of where my softball podcast kind of idea came from of interviewing different people. I love interviewing people, and that show is a big part of that. Royal Roy Firestone, obviously the original. Original before that, uh, I thought he did a great job hosting the Fox pregame when he had to fill in last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do agree with you. I think he's great on the sideline when they put him in there during the playoffs. I'm just not a fan of his as a play-by-play in football. All right, so that uh, wraps up the, uh, the Fox segment. Uh, NBC, we go to Sunday Night Football. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya, the crew there. Uh, Al Michaels, obviously a legend in broadcasting. Um, you, know, and I, you know, I hate to say this about anybody, but we all lose our fastball. You know, and uh, and I kind of think that's uh, what we're seeing now with Al Michaels in the play-by-play role. Still, you know, does a, does a, a pretty solid job, um, but, you know, People probably say, you know, I lost my fastball doing a podcast long ago. So, <laughs> um, so it, you know, it's definitely a legend. And uh, Chris Collinsworth, I think, is one of the best uh, analysts out there. I think he's not afraid to be controversial. I think he still does a pretty decent job, even though he's far removed from his playing days of uh, doing the X's and O's parts of it. And Michelle Tafoya obviously has been a longtime sideline reporter, not just with NBC, but with ABC. Uh, back in the day as well. Uh, let's uh, start with you, Adam, on this crew. Yeah, look, I, I, you know, Al Michaels, I've grown up with his voice, right? I mean, he's been doing games, football, uh, baseball for a while. He did the NBA for a while. I mean, I, I've grown up with Al Michaels. He kind of gives you that um, that ESPN and Chris Berman vibe where you, it's a legend. You, you love the guy, but you can see every now and again where you, you see the gaffe or the mistake or the, you know, the misstep and you're kind of like, that's ah, fine. You know, he'll be okay. Uh, I, I still think he's serviceable. I, th- I still think he's definitely one of the gold standard broadcasters, but you know, sure. I, I think, you know, as, as time has worn on uh, you're, you're seeing that it also feels awkward because, you know, I get to say, and I don't know Al Michaels. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to Eric Lopez name drop here. I don't know Al Michaels. <laughs> I've never met him. But I feel like he he's almost getting pushed out and maybe he doesn't want to get pushed out. Obviously, they signed Tarico, and I think that was the sort of the, the backup plan and that was the succession plan. And then Michaels is like, I'm good. I don't need to go anywhere. And now they're like, how can we use Tarico? And now Al Michaels gets these weeks off in the middle of the season and Tarico does some of these games. So I think that's an interesting dynamic because uh, I, I wonder if, if Al really wants to leave. But he certainly maybe isn't isn't throwing you know ninety five heat like he, like you said Jeff Collinsworth is good I mean he he does X's and O's he's entertaining uh, I missed the Chris Collinsworth slide in at the beginning of the broadcast COVID's <laughs> taken that from me and I'm really upset about it um, 
but solid crew. I mean, you know what you're going to get from that. It's the, the marquee telecast. I think we can all agree that this is, this is the, the marquee telecast each and every week, uh, the NBC Sunday night game. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's a good broadcast. It's good quality. Um, I always find that the Collinsworth connection with pro football focus interesting though, because obviously he has a business uh, stake in that they use those metrics a lot too. Uh, I, I think that's interesting, but I, I think he stays connected to your point, Jeff, in that way. And he, he knows the X's and O's um, good crew. I think the Michaels thing probably will resolve itself in a few years. Um, and, and uh, we'll, we'll see where that heads up, but I have no, I have no qualms when, when these folks are on TV. Eric. Well, I think the answer is that NBC is scheduled to have the Super Bowl in two years in Los Angeles. They were supposed to have the Super Bowl this year. They traded with CBS. So CBS will actually have the Super Bowl this year in Tampa. NBC will have it in uh, in in Los Angeles. And the reason they traded is they thought they were going to have the Summer Olympics this summer. <laughs> well, obviously that didn't happen. So now all of a sudden they're scheduled to have the Summer Olympics next summer, then the Super Bowl. And then the Winter Olympics. Uh, I think that'll be Al Michaels' last game for NBC. The question will be, will that be his last NFL game, period? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I think that'll be his last game with NBC. And then Mike Tirico will take over after that Super Bowl. So I think next season will be Al's last for NBC 2021. I think Tirico will be the voice there in 2022. Al just got inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame, by the way, this week. Yep. Uh, people forget this. And I think you know this, Jeff, and I phenomenal play-by-play guy in baseball. Him and McCarver and Palmer may go down as maybe one of the greatest baseball broadcasts ever. Like, that was my favorite mm-hmm. on ABC. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can make the argument that Al Michaels is, from a, a body of work, is the greatest play-by-play guy ever. Like, he's called everything. I mean – his most famous call, obviously, is a hockey call. You know, do you believe in miracles? He's called the NBA Finals. He's called the World Series, a Super Bowl. Maybe the greatest play-by-play guy. I'm not, I still think he's strong. I, you guys are, you know, kind of putting him to wasteland here, making him sound like he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. I, I think he's still really good. He's actually gotten, you know, a couple of years ago, he had a rough year. The year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I thought he was a little rough. I thought he was going to retire after that year. Since then, I think I think you're onto something, Adam. I. I I don't think – I think they get along, but I do think the fact that Tariko is there and he knows he's kind of hovering, I think Al has pushed Al to say, you know what, no, no, you're, 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 I'm going to call the shots here. You're not going to push me out. So I do think there's a little dynamic of that. Collinsworth is solid. Textbook uh, makes itself – Tafoya is very good. I mean, that's, that's the tandem. I mean, that's the great tandem there on Sunday night. We'll see if NBC keeps that as part of the package in the new NFL deal when that gets announced. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, not to, you know, I don't definitely don't want to push anybody out to pasture uh, before their time. <laughs> um, but I would say the the thing with, with Michaels where I f- think he's kind of faded a little bit is, you know, to me, he doesn't punch up the big moments like like he used to. That's kind of where, where I see it. I can see that. I mean, part of it is when you've seen it all and he's seen it all, sometimes it's kind of like it's hard to like, oh, yeah, well, whoopee-doo, I've seen that over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I, I could see where you're coming from on that, right? Like, that, yeah. yeah, he doesn't have that iconic calls. He's definitely not in his prime, No, I mean, clearly. But I will say this, I do think that'll be – the Super Bowl in two years will be his last game for NBC, but I wouldn't be shocked 
if he says, you know what, I'm still going to keep going and maybe goes to ABC and ESPN and continue to do some football. Uh, it would not surprise me one bit if he if he's in the mix there for the ABC package in a couple years, you know, if they're still looking. So um, I'm fascinated to see what Al decides to do here in a couple years. Does he feel this is it? This is, Call it a day in his home in Los Angeles? Or does he feel he can do more after that? I'm very fascinated to see how that plays out in the next couple of years. Well, don't forget, I think it was it was reported. I'm not sure how accurate this was. I, I feel like I read that someplace that ESPN was trying to get him from NBC. Trying to trade to for him, him yeah. with, with Tony Romo as, as the new Monday Night Football yep. booth, right? So that, that lends credence to that, Eric. You have to imagine, I don't know if, if Al was into that, but I imagine that, you know, ABC wasn't going to do that to, to, or ESPN wouldn't do that for a two-year deal, right? They'd probably want to sign him for a couple of years. So there's probably some credence to him, you know, potentially wanting to continue on, um, you know, and, and maybe NBC is trying to, I mean, the, you, you said earlier, they're paying, you know, uh, three a boatload of money uh, and, and they're trying to find ways to use them in and around their, you know, their, their real estate there. Um, so you got to wonder to your point if, if Al's kind of feeling that, uh, feeling that, you know, little tug behind him. Well, you know, he was traded for rights to a cartoon character uh, yeah. the first time around. And who knows what he get traded for this time? Uh, and of course we've mentioned Mike Tirico, uh, you know, he, he calls some games with Chris, uh, the second team, if you will, is him, Tony Dungy, and Catherine Tapper. And I don't think they ever really ever got to call a game together because of all the rescheduling with the Ravens and, and whatnot that took place. But, uh, you know, Mike Tirico certainly is one of the best play-by-play guys out there and probably equally as strong as a studio host. And uh, certainly, you know, he's NBC's star in waiting and you know having been a star at abc and espn you know and tony dungy i thought was uh, you know pretty solid calling a game i had reservations about him being out of the studio and calling a game and you know but uh i think he does a pretty decent job there um let's uh, get your thoughts on that adam yeah, Tony Dungy's just too nice of a guy, I think, to, to be in that booth, right? I think he'll he'll be a little critical, but then, you know, he's kind of that sandwich feedback guy, something something good, something bad, something good again. Uh, he's just too nice a guy, I think, to be in that role. And that's not a knock at all. And I think everyone knows this is a this is a placeholder. I think the Drew Brees signing, I think he's already kind of in waiting for, for NBC. Where he goes, who knows? That's Notre Dame football. And this is really the Notre Dame football crew for NBC mm-hmm. as well. So they're getting reps, just not on the NFL. Uh, Tariko, pros pro. Uh, obviously, he, he, you know, he did Monday Night Football football for you know a number of years in ESPN he's called a lot of different games he's actually really good on the NBA as well uh you know he's a very pros pro serviceable broadcaster uh you know again and I like Dungy a lot. He's probably better in the studio. He's, he's just he's just too nice in, in that role. I don't think he's he's really going to give you something critical. I do think he does a good job of the X's and O's breakdown. Um, I think he, he's good with that sort of stuff. And it's just in, in the booth, he doesn't have as much time as he does on, on Sunday Night Football in the studio where he can, you know, get to the board and move stuff around and explain stuff in more detail. I, I think the, the rhythm, the timing that you need in the booth, I just don't know if Tony's got that. I think he's better conversationally, you know, giving some opinions, talking on a subject for a few minutes. I just don't think the boost for him, but I think it's a placeholder as as the Drew Brees thing shakes out. And Tariqo's a fascinating, you know, fascinating thing to me because I wonder if you gave him truth serum if he would have jumped to NBC when he did. Uh, because you see, obviously, what ESPN has had in, in terms of trying to replace him. I think he, uh, my assumption would be, and I, again, I don't know, my assumption would be, I think he assumed that Al Michaels would be gone before he has been. So I think he thought he'd be in waiting a lot sooner, and, and now things are dragging out. And I think NBC's finding ways to use him. But I think if you said to to Rico, hey, now again, money is one thing, don't get me wrong. But hey, leave the uh, NFL Monday Night Property 
to go call Notre Dame football was essentially is kind of his main role. Plus the studio stuff for Sunday night, uh, Sunday night America there. I don't know. I wonder if he would take that still. I don't know. I, part of me wonders the true serum. If, if, if Tariqa would have jumped had he known sort of how things have played out over, over the last couple of years. Yes. If you have the benefit of hindsight, Eric. Well, I have the answer for you. Actually. <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned that because Mike Tariqa was on a podcast this week and he addressed that and he was honest about it. The thing that, that kind of messed all that up is if you guys remember when he signed with NBC, NBC not only had the Sunday night football package, but had the Thursday night football package. So the thinking was Tariqa would call the Thursday night games and Al would call the Sunday night games. But what happened was at that time, the NFL blocked that. They said, no, we want the A team to do it. So they kind of made Al do it. So that's what happened. That's that's what kind of messed everything up and kind of caught them off guard. Then they lose the Thursday night package to Fox, which I don't think they anticipated either. So I think that messed it up. I think it was more of that than how long would Al stick around. I don't think he regrets it because he's mentioned this, that that allowed him to do Notre Dame football. He's never done you know Notre Dame football. He used to do college football for many years. I think he's enjoyed that. And as you've noticed now, they've sprint, now they've been creative – in figuring out ways to get him to do NFL games. And he's and to me, he's got the pressure cooker because he's now the face of NBC. He's following Bob Costas, who's an iconic figure in this industry. That's a tough job. And he that they, they trust him to do that. He's going to be the guy in the Olympics. Um, he's going to call the NFL. I, I think now that they have figured this out where Al gets his bye weeks, which I think is smart, and they're going to, you know, the expanded playoffs, I think everybody's cool with that. Uh, so I don't think he regrets it. He's talked about it. he's gotten to do the Kentucky Derby. They've used him on golf. My question is, and Adam, you brought this up earlier about a, a Fox exp- overexposure. Do we run a risk here with Mike being overexposed because they've got him doing the Derby? He's did the Indianapolis 500 coverage. He's on the golf. Remember, he is still part of the golf, which that's been awkward because you have Dan Hicks there. So you have him doing golf. He's doing NHL play-by-play. He's on every sport there. Does that? And I wonder what, how, you know, if they continue that for a couple years, could that backfire a little bit? That's my question with him. Uh, and, and you guys can answer that in a second. Dungey, I agree with everything Adam said. He's a placeholder. We all know Drew Brees is the guy. Next year, I think Drew, I think Drew Brees is going to retire after this year. He'll work with Tariko in Notre Dame football. He'll be in the studio with Tariko. And then the big question I have is, does Drew Brees eventually replace Chris Collinsworth in a couple years with Tariko, or do they do a three-man booth? That's the other things to follow in the next couple of years. Yeah, that is very interesting. Well, you wonder if Drew Brees is any good, right? I mean, I don't want to do the Jason Witten thing here, right? But obviously, <laughs> Jason Witten was – everyone thought he was the next greatest, you know, uh, broadcaster. And obviously, that flamed out quickly. And that's when things like this get tricky. And you're seeing more and more of it, right? Greg Olson's one. Drew Brees is another. You're seeing these these guys – you mentioned Jay Cutler earlier, Eric. These are guys who, you know, they're, they're kind of getting um, getting the, the hankering maybe to go in the broadcasting while they're still playing. Um, and so, you start to wonder if, if they're going to start picking some of these guys straight from the field in the booth. But you don't know if these guys are any good. And obviously, you saw what – what ESPN has had to go through now to kind of un, untangle themselves from the Jason Witten, you know, booger mobile fiasco they got themselves into. You'd, I wonder, I'm curious how many network execs are going to take chances like this going forward because right now, you know, Romo was, it, was Romo the anomaly or was Romo the exception? Um, you know, is he going to be, you know, the gold standard? Or are there going to be other Romos out there? And I think that's the Drew Brees thing that's interesting is, is what's he going to be? Um, because, you know, I think Olsen's been solid, but, you know, how many of these guys can you pluck straight out of the, off the field and into the booth? I think that's going to be fascinating over the next couple of years. Well, and I would say this. I would say that I would not be surprised if they pair Breeze up with Dungy at the beginning here in the booth 
to kind of groom him. And I wonder if they would even consider pairing him with Collinsworth in a three-man booth, kind of like what Collinsworth did with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck many years ago at Fox when they kind of groomed Aikman. So I think NBC's got a – it's going to be fascinating to follow what NBC does here in the next couple years with Al Michaels and the Mike Tirico situation and then Drew Brees and Collinsworth. I think it's fascinating how that plays out in the next couple years. Well, let me ask you guys both. Is a three-man booth good? Like I, we've, we've talked about that three-man booth being an option. I think sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You wonder in that situation, Collinsworth is such a big personality. Does he step all over Drew Brees and Brees can't find his way into the rhythm? You know, is, is it almost better try by fire, get him in a two-man booth and let him figure it out? Or does that three-man booth actually really work? I am not a fan of the three-man booth. I think it, it, it gets to be too much. It's a little overwhelming. Um, it, you know, there's only so much airtime that you can divvy up between the, the guys that are calling the game. And I think a three-man booth, it's, it's very hard to capture the magic with, with, that kind of a, with that kind of limitation, I think. Eric? Uh, I think it's got to be the right guys. The good news is I think Tariko is great as far as setting up the analyst. He's as good as any. So if, it's gonna, if, if anybody can make a three-man work, I think it's Tariko. Um, can Breeze and Collinsworth work? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, and I think that all started with the Monday night, the, you know, the Monday night crew of Michaels and Gifford and Deardorff. That was a great three-man booth. And I think people always try to replicate that. And that's not easy because someone has to kind of be the guy, you know, the, you got to be able to defer. And so I, I think it's a lot harder now because everybody's got their egos and things like that. But it, it can it work? Yes, but it's not an automatic. It's got to be the right mix, the right guys to do it. And I don't know, to your point, I don't know if Breeze and Collinsworth and Tariko could work. I do think Dungey and Breeze can work with Tariko because Dungey's not a big personality. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He's the guy that would defer to Drew Breeze. So I actually think that could work. It might actually work because Dungey would just be like the third analyst and kind of let Drew grow. Yeah. So let's uh, keep it on the topic of the three-man booth and move over to ESPN with uh, Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick. You know, the word placeholders come up a lot during this uh, conversation tonight, and I get the the same feeling about this particular crew. Uh, Monday Night Football, since Tariko left, has been uh, kind of the revolving door. McDonough with Gruden, and I thought Sean McDonough was unfairly criticized in that role. I thought he did a pretty, pretty, pretty good Good job there. Uh, then the Joe Tessator, Jason Witten, Booger McFarland fiasco. Uh, Joe Tessator, uh, you know, too much of the uh, uh, game show host uh, uh, approach to a, to a football broadcast, in my opinion. Uh, Booger McFarland, you know, I think I don't think Jason Witten was set out to be a great analyst, but I also think we'll never know because when they put Booger McFarland on there. I knew from previous experience, Booger McFarland just doesn't shut up. So I knew Jason Witten didn't have a chance. So uh, that's kind of my uh, take on that particular uh, group for Buddy of Football. And Steve Levy, I like. I think he's solid. Uh, you know, he's definitely a uh, uh, you know, likable guy, very good sense of humor. Um, it, I, think it's a, I think this is a decent crew. Um, but uh, I think with Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick, I think it's, uh, you know, too much of the same. I don't think either guy differentiates themselves. I think um, if, if you, you know, closed your eyes, you didn't know who's doing the game, you wouldn't be able to, to tell between the two of them as far as that, that thought goes. Adam, what do you think? 
Yeah, this is uh, you know just kind of a reset. If you ask me, in terms of what what ESPN does, right? It's just getting the the stench of the Booger Witten Tessator booth off them, you know, for a couple of years. You know, kind of recalibrate. You know, get a professional broadcast back. And I think they changed out a lot of the behind the scenes crew, right? I think directors, producers also were, were were changed out. So I think this is just kind of a reset. Like, let's get some solid people in here who who know the games. The way I can judge, I don't I don't watch Monday Night Football religiously anymore. Um, but the way I can judge it is during the, the Booger, you know, Witten days, you'd go on Twitter on a Monday night and it would just be Booger memes left and right, right? Uh, it would just be all kinds of like fourth down. I think they should punt it here kind of stuff, right? Um, and you go on Monday night now and, uh, and you don't see that. You don't see anybody, you know, uh, ragging on Greasy or, or Riddick or Levy. And so it feels like at least they've got a solid crew um, who are doing a solid job. They're not doing anything inflammatory. You're not doing anything to become the Booger meme the next day. But they also just don't do anything that make you go oh wow this is a special group right here i like levy a lot i think he's probably a better hockey broadcaster as well he just and and this is maybe just a a learned behavior on my part he just doesn't exude that big game voice you know what i mean like you you think about you think about a guy like al michaels joe buck and again those guys earn that but then you you know i think about somebody like a uh, like a chris fowler on on you know football when i turn those guys on to hear that voice i know it's a big game levy's kind of got a little bit more of a laid back should be on like pac 12 after dark kind of broadcast voice right where he's having some fun you know he's a little loose with it and not that that's a bad thing but i just haven't gotten accustomed to him as a big game voice just yet greasy and riddick are fine again nothing against either those two guys i think i think they're both interesting but where i default is they they weren't even the number one college crew right they were like the the three four college crew moving all the way up to the the you know the monday night football booth i think that tells you you know espn just wanted a reset and and they're going to figure out who that next crew is serviceable guys but you know I, i think we all know they're kind of in the short term yeah i think the only controversial thing they done was uh lewis riddick calling Patrick Mahomes, Pat Mahomes, yeah, sure. <laughs> Eric. Yeah, I've actually grown to like this group. And I think Adam, you nailed it. I think they're solid. They're not over the top, but they're solid. I think Levy was a smart move. It wasn't their first choice. I agree with that. I think they did try to trade for Al Michaels. And remember, there was reports that they wanted actually Fowler and Herb Street to do it, especially if the college football season got canceled. They didn't, uh, but you've seen them. I mean, you saw the Ray reviews they got for that Monday night game they did with the Giants and the Steelers. It wouldn't not surprise me if ABC and ESPN get like the Monday night and a Thursday night package and the new TV deal that Fowler and Herb Street are involved in that. So I, I would not be shocked, but I like the Levy move because it's a, it's a no lose situation. You could still try to get an Ian Eagle and Al Michaels a couple years from now. And that's okay. Cause Steve Levy's an ESPN loyal guy. He's been over there for over 20 years. You just put him back on sports center and the hockey coverage. But if you don't get Al Michaels or, or, or these guys, you can keep them in that role. So I actually think it's a smart move. Uh, you know, I'm a Joe Testator fan, but more for college. See, and sometimes it doesn't work. And you're used to calling a sport and you call the NFL and then you change sport. It kind of, and I think that's what happened with Sean. Sean was for so long has done college football. Now you hear him on doing the NFL and it just sounds different. And I don't know. I can't explain it. It happened to Brad Nessler when he called the NBA for a couple of years. And people are like, well, that's just they didn't like it because we're used to certain guys calling certain sports and we just don't accept them sometimes calling other sports. Sometimes they get typecast. And I think that's what's happened to McDonough to some extent and definitely to Tessator. And it didn't help Tessator that the Witten McFarland was just 
I just don't understand who thought of that. I, that was going to work. And why do we keep hiring former cowboy players? No disrespect, Dan. <laughs> why do we have to have every cowboy on television? I don't understand who thought, hey, Jason Witten would be a great idea. And the worst thing that happened was that happened during the same time that Romo appeared. And it, you compared Witten and Romo, Witten wasn't going to win that at all. So I like this group. I think you're right, though. This is a year-to-year group or maybe two years. And they could get replaced. But I actually like this group a lot. I think this was a good move. And I think they finally have something that people have accepted and would accept here for the next couple of years. Interesting note, Levy and Greasy uh, did the UCF uh, Fiesta Bowl against LSU, which a lot of people didn't like, but whatever. Um, And they did the Memphis uh, 2017 Conference Championship win. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And it's actually Levy who broke the the Scott Frost was Levy did. technically yes. live on air via Brett McMurphy, who he thought worked at ESPN and actually did not at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely a wild time for sure. Um, and of course, uh, you know, Chris Fallon, Kirk Herbstreit did call an opening Monday Night Football game uh, this season. And I thought I would uh, throw them so we could also segue into their work in college football. Of course, they are uh, the gold standard as far as the college football. Uh, coverage is concerned. And you know, it was very interesting uh, when when Chris moved from game day to be in the play-by-play voice. You know, I didn't really like it very much at first. You know, and, and, and I think you both would agree, uh, you know, college game day is where it's at because of Chris Fowler. Uh, you know, he, he quarterbacked that show and did such a great job uh, getting our football day started every Saturday. So it was a little bit of an adjustment for me, but I think he has grown into the role. I think he has, uh, uh, you know, I think the fact that he got to do some Thursday night games uh, while he was doing game day uh, was a good training ground for him. And, uh, and, you know, it's tough to follow a legend like Brett Musburger. I mean, let's face it, that's a, that's a, that's a big ask. Uh, and then, obviously, we knew uh, Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, you know, certainly, I think he's better on – I think he's better in a game than he's on, on game day, in my opinion. I like the fact that, that uh, you know, he definitely is a, a good X's and O's, definitely has an opinion – and, uh, and and I, I like that. And Maria, Maria Taylor does a great job on the sidelines with that group. Uh, Eric, let's start with you on this one. You can make the case it could go down as the greatest college football broadcasting of all time. I mean, Kurt Herbst, you mentioned, he's won an Emmy as a studio analyst and as a game analyst. Uh, he's the greatest analyst in college football history. Might be the best analyst in football, period, college or pro. Um, and I think Fowler's the perfect fit for him because they've worked for, since 1996 in a game day studio. Uh, I'm a huge Fowler mark. He's my favorite broadcaster. I enjoy – I'm a tennis fan, so I'm up there at 2, 3 in the morning call, watching him call tennis. I've spoken to him about tennis when I've spotted on some of their broadcasts when they've been in Orlando. Um, I just think they're tremendous, and I think they could and – they, and they proved in that Monday night game they can call NFL as well as college football. I think they have that chemistry. They can call a game blind because they know each other so well. They did a game this year, in fact, where Herbstreit wasn't with him for the Miami-Florida State game because uh, Herbstreit was, was contact tracing, and they didn't miss a beat. <laughs> I mean, that's just tremendous chemistry. I think they're phenomenal. One of the – you know, obviously game day being at UCF was exciting, but the thing that was just as exciting was that Fowler and Herbstreit Street were at the bounce house and called the UCF game. And and if you watch that game, and I think you all have, even though we were all at, you know, if you were all at the game, you still watched it at some point. It just felt big, didn't it? It felt like the biggest game ever. It was just unbelievable. There's, and that's that's he's done a tremendous job. I'm a huge Musburger fan as well, but I think Fowler and Herb Street, Fowler's, I think to me, one of the most underappreciated hosts 
I mean, to do a show, host game day like he did in, in all these different settings has been remarkable. And I think he's really segued nicely to the play-by-play. You're right, that first year he got a little bit used to, but now I think he's in a good rhythm with Herbstreit, and I think they're phenomenal. Yeah, I think it benefited Herbstreit, too, to work with Brent. Uh, you know, you couldn't ask Helped for him out. He admits yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for sure. Adam, what are your, what's your take? Yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. Initially, when when he was leaving, Fowler, that is, was leaving game day, I thought, like, why would you do that? This is the marquee property at ESPN. This is the show. Nothing gets people excited like watching this show. And and so I, I kind of thought to myself, gee, why would you give that up to maybe go call Virginia Tech, Virginia at Saturday at 8 o'clock at night? Like, why would you do that? Uh, but, I yeah, I agree with you. He, he's turned uh, he's turned me into believer from a play-by-play guy. I actually did get used to him more as a tennis host. I, I love watching his tennis coverage, particularly the U.S. Open, uh, which usually comes right at the September Mark right on college football season. It's great to hear him do the, you know, the big game on a Thursday and fly back to do something in the open and fly back to do game day and whatnot. Um, so I think he's, he's phenomenal in that regard. I'm, I'm of the opinion. I don't want them in the NFL and not because I don't think they can. I just think they're sacred is what they do. They are the college football voice of record. And not that I don't think that they can transition. I just prefer to keep it that way. I, I you know, I, I, the overexposure piece, I guess it will come into play here when, when you hear Fowler's voice, you know it's a big game, and and I don't I want them on my big college football games. I don't want them on a you know a, a Monday night ESPN you know Jaguars Titans game that you know that that plays right. I want them at the big college football game. I want to keep them in that you know that signature voice role. But they're both phenomenal. Um, you know I, I do agree with Eric. I think uh, Herb shoots a little bit better in the booth than he is uh, on stage as a as kind of an analyst per se in the in the studio setting. Um, but you know two solid guys, and you know it's it, it's when they're there. It's a big game even if it's not a big game it feels like a big game and i think that's the that's the the mark of you know a good broadcaster that's kind of the steve levy point i was trying to make earlier is when herb street and fowler are there you you're turning it on you may not even know who's playing but you hear that voice and you're like oh this must be a big game and i think they, they've earned that by how solid they've been over the years yeah the number two team we've talked about sean mcdonough from his uh, uh from his days doing college football before doing the Monday night gig. He's teamed with Todd Blackledge, a longtime analyst with both ESPN and CBS, and Todd McShay. I find Todd McShay very annoying, uh, <laughs> especially uh, uh, the way he chimes in on the sideline. Uh, Blackledge, very, very, uh, been a longtime fan of his. I think he does solid work. Um, and, and, you know, he, you know, they pretty much do the primetime game that's on ESPN. So they're opposite Fowler and Herb Street quite a bit. But I think it's one of those uh, broadcasts when you uh, when you watch it on ESPN, it has kind of a big game feel to it with these guys as well. Uh, what do you think about that, Adam? Yeah, solid crew. Um, you know, no qualms about it. And when they, when they're on, you know, you don't even necessarily know that they're they're talking sometimes, right? Because they're just so smooth. They have a good rapport with each other. I think it's good to have them back together. Um, you know, in the college setting, uh, the McShay thing is really fascinating to me too because. Is, is he an analyst? Is he, you know, is he, I know he's a draft analyst, but is he, is he a game analyst? Is he, is he doing more of a draft breakdown? I don't, I don't know what his role is. I've always been kind of confused by the third, what they call them, the field analysts. Mm-hmm. And whether that works, obviously, you know, the Booger Mobile was a completely different thing, but you saw this with, I think we said Moose and Goose earlier. That was kind of the legendary, you know, first time that you saw a field analyst. Um, I just, it doesn't work for me with McShay. I don't mind him as, as the draft guy. Um, but I, I don't I don't know quite where he fits in the, in this landscape. Um, but I think McDonough and Blackledge are solid. McShay actually used to be with Levy and Greasy, so this is kind of also a new crew with him as well. So perhaps there's some learning there too. But um, solid solid crew when they're when they're on, you know, you're going to get a good broadcast. Eric, yeah, I'll kind of go backwards here and talk about McShay because you're right. I thought it was him and Greasy 
and Levy had a good chemistry. So that the fact they moved him up has been quirky. And what's even weirder, he's not even like a sideline guy per se anymore because he used to be. Remember, he had that infamous awkward interview with Scott Frost on the <laughs> field when he asked him about the game. And since then, they've added an extra sideline person. Like I think Molly McGrath or Allison Willie, they've been kind of doing the side. So he's not even like doing interviews per se anymore. It's almost like they've hidden him as a quiet, quote-unquote, unofficial third analyst, but just from the sideline, kind of what Tony Saragusa used to do, who kind of started all this at Fox. Um, so it's kind of quirky. I think that's a weird team to put him with. I actually liked him better with Levy and Greasy, and I think if you would have put him with, like, say, Tessator and McElroy, that might work out better. But it is what it is. Uh, McDonough and Blackledge are fantastic. It is worth pointing out they are the voice of the national championship on the ESPN radio, So they uh, and they will continue to call that. So it's like a 1A, 1B type of team there. They're strong. I actually I, – I, I wish they would do this once a year. They did this last year. Uh, where Sean McDonough and Fowler switched roles. McDonough called the game with Herb Street. It was a Clemson at Syracuse game because I think they were honoring McDonough at Syracuse. He's an alum there. And Fowler worked with Blackledge for the Penn State pick game. I wish they would do that like once a year because I thought that was kind of fun. Um, and, and I thought they all worked well together, all four of them. So I thought they're fantastic. Very strong. 1A, 1B, their college football, as you would expect from ESPN. Third team is uh, Joe Tessitore, Greg McElroy, and Holly Rowe. I think Holly Rowe kind of is of a star of this group. Uh, she's been a uh, uh, gosh, she's been on the sidelines forever. It seems and uh, has always done a good job, no matter what the sport. Um, you know, Tessitore and McElroy. You know, I guess uh, being a UCF guy, I don't really find myself fond of McElroy because of all the things he. Uh, uh, said about us during our national championship run, <laughs> but uh, you know, in Tessator, yeah, you know, it's uh, I think he's a good play-by-play guy. You just think he's a, you know, his over-the-top works more for college than he does a pro. I will say that much, but uh, I don't know. To me, he's one of those guys who uh, has that. Uh, over exuberance on the one and a half yard gain <laughs> that uh, maybe isn't called for, uh, Eric. I think this, they're grooming them. And we just, you know, uh, there was announcement that ESPN and SEC had a 10 year deal. They're going to have the entire SEC package starting in like 2024, I believe uh, as of now, Mm -hmm. I think, I think this is going to be your new SEC team uh, of McElroy and Testator when they get that SEC package, that 330 slot that we've known at CBS. I think they're going to be that team here when the games get moved to ABC. Um, I like Testator. I've actually, that's been good with him and McElroy. Uh, Testator was really good with Blackledge. Uh, McElroy, yeah, it's kind of interesting. They kind of bumped him up to this role uh, this quickly. So it's kind of, Holly Rowe's done this now for like 20 some years, 25 years, I want to say. I've gotten to know her from softball. I've had her on my softball podcast. Nice lady. Uh, hardworking, does basketball sideline as well. And I think is still on top of her game. So I agree with you about the star there. Uh, Testator, by the way, good host of Holy Moly, if you've watched uh, any of those episodes on ABC. So to your point, Jeff has that little game show. That's where he comes from. He's a producer out of that show. Um, But I I like him better in college. We'll see about him and McElroy, how that develops. But I think, I think in the back of the executives minds, that could be your new all number one SEC team here in a few years. Yeah, that's pretty interesting uh, for sure. Uh, Fourth team is Dave Hash and Mike Golick fresh off the 
radio of at ESPN, uh, coming back to his roots. He was a college football analyst before uh, before getting the uh, Mike and Mike Morning Show. Um, I think Dave Pash is one of those underrated play by play guys. Does a really good job. Uh, and Golick, uh, you know, I. I I haven't heard a lot of him doing games this year. I'll have to be honest about that. So I don't have a real strong take on that. Uh, I think the one game I did watch, you know, he's, he's, he's doing it remotely. So I think that's a bit of a challenge as well. I would think he would prefer to come back to be in a booth. Um, but we also know Mike Golick uh, from his radio uh, experience is a, is, a, is, a, is a nice guy, entertaining guy that people, uh, you know, have some enjoyment and ease with. Uh, let's get your thoughts on this. Uh, uh, we'll start with you on this one, Adam. Finally, somebody I can name drop. I had Mike Golick on a podcast. So finally, <laughs> I finally get in here in the show. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I agree on Dave Pash, right? Professional broadcaster. I think he does a nice job. He deserves hazard pay for putting up with Bill Walton on the Pac-12 basketball broadcast because that, that thing is just a, a locomotive off the track. So he deserves like some sort of hazard pay for that. But the goal, I think, is interesting because um, he, he called the ECU-UCF game, which I think we all watched on TV. And he's to me, he's just very cliche. You know, uh, the, the fight in the trenches, you know, the guy with leverage with low band wins. Like he just, he kind of breaks out the cliche stuff. Um, I, I, you wonder how much, you know, uh, how much he's into it. And I don't, I'm not trying to knock his professionalism, but you know, let's, let's be up, up front. His contract is up in like, I don't know, 14 days or something like that. Uh, so you wonder how much he kind of invested in this, knowing that he wasn't staying with ESPN. This isn't what he wants to do. Uh, even though I think he says he wants to do games. I, I think he obviously would, would much prefer to be back on some sort of radio or regular show five days a week so you wonder how much you know of the work he was putting in i'm not trying to knock his professionalism but you just you, at the back of your mind you wonder if he's kind of thinking ahead what's interesting is having him on on our podcast you know we so we uh, i'll give you some quick backstory here we we connected with him on like a tuesday and he had just found out he had the ecu ucf game on that tuesday because he got switched off of the, the notre game notre dame game and so they said hey you know we'll give mike some time to, to learn ucf and he'll come on with you thursday so we call him on thursday and it was clear that he had just looked over the cliff notes and 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 that's where t- to me college broadcasts are so much more difficult to do than nfl broadcasts because there's so many more teams and the fans who are too tuning into that game, they know that team inside and out. And, and, and as UCF guys, we all know this, you know, you can set your watch to the first time the announcer on the UCF game calls us the Golden Knights and Twitter is ablaze with everybody just <laughs> roasting that guy, right? And, and making sure they know it's not the Golden Knights anymore. And, and that's kind of the thing is the fan base is listening. They probably know the team better than you. And when I, when I we listened to Golik and we kind of asked him about the team, he had all the cliff notes. Dylan Gabriel throws the ball around a lot. They move really fast. You know, they're, they fly around the defense. But, you know, as we kind of got off air with him and we're asking him some more things. He was asking us more questions and we were asking him. Um, and so that kind of crystallized to me how, how hard the college broadcasting game is, particularly when you get down the list, Herb Street Fowler, they have Clemson, Ohio state, you know, they have the same teams every week. They can figure that out. But when you, when you're one of these other teams down there, you really have to do your diligence to study up on teams because the other, the, the fan bases are watching. They know them better than you do. And all they're waiting for you is to make a flub or, or do that stuff. So to me, you know, it, it's a tough thing. I like Golik. I think he's really, good on the radio. It was good to connect with him. It's good to hear his voice again. I just wonder if his heart's in, in doing uh, play-by-play stuff and doing, uh, doing broadcast stuff just because I don't think this is where he wants to be long-term. Eric? Yeah, I, I think the, the – you know, and I'll defend Mike a little bit. When you had him on Thursday, he, you, know, you mentioned he had just found out he was getting the game on Tuesday. That's hard because yeah. he was probably already prepping on the Notre Dame game that he was supposed to do. Now he's got to kind of go a 180 on a quick turnaround. And I think the question is – and I don't know. I, I'm curious, Adam, if, he, you, if you got any hints. You know, his contract's coming up. 
So this could be a one and done. And so I, I think – I don't know if he'll be here at ESPN next year. He's going to have other opportunities. There's been some speculation. How about this? There's some speculation that NBC might go after him to be the new analyst for the Notre Dame football okay, games. Yeah. He's a Notre Dame alum. So well, that could a, be – you know, table, right? I'll yeah. tell you this. I, I follow him on Twitter. Uh, this last week he had a raffle. Uh, he was giving away stuff from his ESPN office. So he went through and, and he had all the stuff in his office and him and his wife were raffling it off, $5 donation, and you won stuff. So he was clearly cleaning out his office for something. I don't know if it's because he's just in a spring cleaning in the winter <laughs> or if something else is coming up on the contract. It could be great leverage, right? Like, hey, look, I'm getting rid of all my stuff, you know, since, uh, you know, on the deal. So, yeah, I'll be curious what he ends up. Pash is fantastic. I'll never forget. I was an interim morning host in Orlando and Tampa in 2013. Pash got got to was called the play-by-play voice for UCF's first ever ABC telecast against Steve Spurrier in South Carolina. And I had him on the morning show and I interviewed him. He was great. He's remember, he's also the radio voice of the Arizona Cardinals. So he has that wacky schedule. He's doing college on Saturday, NFL Sunday. Uh, He's fantastic. I actually enjoy him and Walton because I enjoy a good laugh, and, and you have to when you have with Walton. How he, how he does with Walton is amazing. It's just tremendous. And, and Pash is super talented, a guy that you could argue is underrated. You talk about under, we've talked about underrated guys. He's at the top of the list of underrated guys. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. I'm going to kind of run off the list of the rest of the ESPN guys in the, in the interest of time. We'll just do a quick opinion uh, if anything stands out. So, uh, yeah, Bob Wischusen and Dan Orlovsky, Dave Fleming and Rod Gilmore, uh, Anish Shroff and Tom Luganbill, Beth Mowens and Kirk Morrison, Matt Berry and Mike Golick Jr., Jason Benetti and Andre Ware, Roy Philpott and Kelly Stoffer, Clay Matvick and Rocky Boyman, Kevin Brown and Jay Walker, John Schifrin and Orlando's own Rennie Angolia, and Mike Cousins and Dustin Fox. And you know, one of the, the most polarizing one on this list to me is Matt Berry and Mike Golick Jr. And I'll tell you why. I think Matt Barry is Reese Davis 2.0. I mean, he's uh, he's on Sports Center, does a great job on College Football Final that he does um, uh, does on that show, on, on that show. Terrific host there uh, with uh, with a uh, uh, why am I blanking? Joey Galloway and uh, who's the former Jesse Florida quarterback? Just Palmer. Yeah, I don't know why I'm having a brain freeze there. Um, and I think he's doing. I think. Does a really solid job doing play-by-play, so I think he is like the you know the next uh, Reese Davis, as far as ESPN is concerned. On the other half of that pairing, Mike Gulick Jr. Oh my goodness, God! <laughs> uh, I think, and, and a lot of analysts make this mistake, but I think Mike Gulick Jr. feels like every second of airtime has to be filled with his voice. And he uses a lot of words to say nothing. Well, you could you could probably say that about me, but uh, uh, it's a very polarizing group because I love the play-by-play guy, the analyst. I just want to you know go, oh my god, shoot me. So, Adam, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll start there. Um, yeah, Gojo is definitely a who, who would have had this, by the way, in two, 2017 when they announced the Golik and Wingo radio show, and it was you know Michael Junior, Michael Senior, and Trey Wingo. And I told you three years later, only one of these guys would be left standing, and it would be Michael Junior. Who would have had that out of that pairing, right? But yeah, I think he's a radio. He, he's kind of cut his teeth in radio. Um, so I think he, he thinks it's a radio show, like you can't have dead air in radio. I think he assumes that in college broadcast or any broadcast, you can't have dead air. Um, 
he's okay. I mean, I, I can take him or leave him. I don't, I don't have to turn the dial when he's on, but it's not somebody that I, you know, that I, I watch um, religiously or anything like that. I do think it's an odd pairing because they're, they're in the studio and um, you know, I don't know the chemistry they get to work together. Um, but obviously, you know, ESPN's investing in Golik Jr. So, you know, we'll see if we see more of him. You mentioned a few people on that list. I think the name that, that really stuck out to me, the name that um, I really like and, and enjoy, and it's tough because we're seeing this him, him as an NFL guy these days is Dan Orlovsky. I think Rolovsky does actually a nice job on the broadcast. I think he's, he's educational. I think he's, you know, he's willing to have a little fun. I think he's with Bob Wischusen, who's, who's a really good broadcaster as well. Um, obviously, you know, we're seeing a lot of Orlovsky in the NFL circles too, but he, he gets this one kind of random college game. And it was weird at first, but I actually enjoy his broadcast because I do think he, he puts in the work. And here's the one, I don't want to knock anybody's work because I don't know what these guys do or don't do. I think some guys can just walk in the booth and, and watch no film and figure it out. And I think some guys are film junkies and watching as much as they can. I think Orlovsky strikes me as the guy who puts in the work, watches the film, understands what's going on, and is going to explain it to you in a digestible manner. Um, so I like Orlovsky a lot in, in this tandem. I know you, you mentioned a few guys, but um, I think he's he's a guy. I know he's in the studio now, but you mentioned a Monday Night f- Football booth at some point. His name was bandied about at some point. You know, I wonder if he'll get a, a shot at the uh, at the Monday Night booth at some point. Eric, what's your thought on that? Orlovsky's first game as an analyst and working for ESPN was 2018, Josh Heupel's first game, UCF and UConn, uh, with Clay Madvik, who I think is underappreciated. I wish they would give him better assignments. I love. I think Clay Madvik's very underrated. I enjoy Clay Madvik. Wischusen is very good. Him and Orlovsky, that's a good team. I've known Bob Wischusen since I listened to him when he was a sports radio host in Miami and WQAM in South Florida with John Boog Shambi back in the day. Okay, so talk about that there they're they're boys they're both bc guys uh so i've seen them like kind of grow into these national guys it's been pretty wild to see him i'm a big i like jason benetti a lot i think he's great uh great baseball guys the tv voice of the white Sox, does basketball and football uh and then Roy Philpot uh, and Kelly Stoffer. This is the if you're a UCF fan and they're doing your game. Well, this is the good news. UCF always wins. They've ne- they've UCF's never lost a game that Roy Philpot and Kelly Stoffer has done for them. Either if if they've been involved, UCF wins. They don't necessarily cover, but they win. So if they get assigned the Boca Raton Bowl, put your you know we're in good shape in the to win the bowl game. That's all I'm saying. There you go, Eric. That is the stat of the day right there. All right, let's switch over to CBS. Of course, they have done the, uh, the, the SEC for a number of years now. Appointment television at 3.30 on Saturday afternoons. Uh, Brad Nestle, Gary Danielson, and Jamie Erdahl. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm going to miss when CBS loses its package to ESPN is I think CBS does a much better job of presenting the game. I think ESPN, a lot of times in their broadcasts, they like to control the narrative and they'll veer off and talk about the college football playoff in the middle of things. And they'll, uh, you know, talk about this, that, and the other. And I think they, they kind of give the game short shrift, especially on the lower uh, level games. Um, you know, to me, CBS does a great job of just presenting this, you know, great conference showcase football as it should be done. And it may be, and that may sound old school. But, uh, uh, you know, Brad Nessler, you know, followed the great Vern Lundquist, you know, following Uncle Vern is a tough act to follow. But Brad Nessler, I think, was the perfect guy uh, for that. It, you know, if, if had things been different, that could have been Tim Brando uh, had he stayed at CBS. And, you know, and Gary Danielson, I think, is terrific. I think he's a, uh, uh, you know, he just understands football. Uh, 
you know, he, he's now totally identified now with the SEC, even though he's a Purdue uh, uh, graduate uh, from back in the day. And of course, I always enjoy Gary Danielson when he's on with Chris Russo every week. Um, I wish he could give a little more insight like he does a Russo show on the football broadcast, but I think, he, but, but I think he's outstanding. Um, again, I think this is a, definitely a, a grade A you know, if, if we say Fallon and Herb Street are the gold standard, these guys are probably the silver. Eric? I wonder what Brad Nessler's thinking today. <laughs> as they're going to lose the – he left ABC. He was the number two guy left to be the – to take over for Vern Lundquist for the CBS package for the SEC. You know, him and Gary used to work together at ABC, so that's a natural. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to lose this package in a few years. Who knows? Maybe ESPN buys them out in the next year or two. Who knows? What happens to Brad when that happens? There's Brad Nesser because CBS really, I feel like they haven't figured out how to use him. He kind of does college basketball, but he doesn't. It's kind of been a weird fit. So I'm curious what happens to him here once this deal comes up. And I do think this could be the end for Gary Danielson, who's kind of become polarizing for some reason. SEC fans are not fans of Gary. Uh, he kind of trends on social media. I love J- Jamie Erdahl. I know this is going to shock Adam, but I met Jamie Erdahl. <laughs> and I, you just got to come to UCF games. This is the moral of the story. If you come to UCF games, you'll meet enough people. I met her when she was sidelined for CBS Sports Network when UCF was hosting Connecticut on a Sunday in basketball. Nice girl, tremendous, uh, great girl, and, and she's done a great job there for them as the sideline. Allie LaForce before that, she was great. So I enjoy the team. The theme music, that's going to be the big question now. What happened to the theme music? Does ESPN gr- try to buy out the theme music? Does do you keep the theme mu- music? Does CBS go after another conference? Do they go after a Big 12 package or, or Pac-12 and still do college football? Those are questions that we'll have to figure out in the next handful of years. But I, I personally, I think they're solid. And, and a tough spot because Vern was great, right? And that's hard, but I think Brad is as professional as it gets. Yeah. Adam? Yeah, good group. Uh, the music is key. I think Eric hit it on the head. We already lost round ball rock uh, when uh, when NBC lost the uh, uh, the basketball stuff back in the day. So we, we can't we can't lose the CBS opening to uh, actually uh, round ball. Rock I know it's on Fox on now, Fox, but yeah. nobody walks this college basketball on Fox. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it's a good group. I think uh, I think Nestler is a solid pro. I think Danielson. It's weird. I could see where he could get annoying at times, right? For for some fan bases. Um, but I, I find it's him enjoyable. I don't, there's nothing about him that, you know, that strikes me the wrong way. I do think it's interesting to see what they do with this package going forward. But uh, just get the theme music there. I think we'll be all set. Yeah, that, uh, you know, you know, CBS has got the gold standard on theme music between that and their, and their uh, NCAA music. Uh, you know, yeah. you got two of the most recognizable ones ever. Yeah, they should sell that to ESPN and make a boatload of money. They, they, ESPN might have to pay almost as much as that as they will for the SEC. Um, and then sometimes we get Carter Blackburn and Aaron Taylor when they do a, a second game. Uh, I, I like Carter Blackburn quite a bit as a play-by-play guy. Aaron Taylor, I think he's better in the studio, but uh, uh, that's a pretty pretty uh, decent little crew there. What's your thought on that, Adam? Yeah, Sam, I think Carter's solid. I don't, I don't hear these guys all that often. I think Carter's solid. I think Aaron is probably better in the studio. It sounds like they're just looking for a second crew and they need, a, they need an analyst. You know, Aaron's got a good personality. I mean, you know, he, he's not a guy who's afraid to talk. Uh, but I don't, I don't hear these two all that much. So I don't have anything where I would go, oh, my goodness, not these two. Uh, but I, I, think, yeah, I think Carter's actually solid. I think he's done a lot of different things uh, throughout his career. I think he's, he's, a, he's a good voice. But, you know, I, I think indifferent is the word we were using here. I would go indifferent on this group. Eric? 
I think you guys nailed it. I mean, Carter's good. I've spotted for Carter when they used to do some UCF games back in the day for CBS Sports Network and all that. I mean, it's just a part of the gig, man. Get paid in different roles. So I like Carter. Aaron Taylor, I think you guys nailed it. He's, he's more of a sideline guy. It's weird because in the past, they would use Rick Neuheisel in this role. But yeah. this year, I think because when everything's going on, they're just kind of keeping it simple. So they used Aaron Murray the other week, too, which was kind of odd. He gave a UCF reference, though. Shout out there. He was talking about how tough it was to face their def- zone defense in the Liberty Bowl in 2010 so that was cool so I like Carter a lot uh, I enjoy him on college basketball when he's paired up with Pete Gillen and things like that but uh, yeah Aaron Taylor could kind of do without so yeah I tell you what you know Eric you you know so many people if you would have said you knew Mike Tirico I would have told you to do a mic drop and, and call it a day <laughs> so. I, I, I had I sat at a magic game where in the same table <laughs> where he ate dinner in a pregame meal so that's, does that count I need to um, hang out with Hilo. I don't know. Leo, you should schedule Hilo. I need to get your schedule. <laughs> yes. get, once we get back to normal, man, you're welcome yes. to hang I'm going to follow you around for a week and, and, uh, <laughs> and see who I can meet. There you go. And let's uh, switch over to Fox, uh, their lead team, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft. Um, you know, Gus Johnson's one of those guys. Uh, you know, we talked about the exuberant uh, type. And, you know, I was not a big Gus Johnson fan when he started. Uh, but, He's kind of like I kind of think think of it like uh, kind of like Costanza uh, from uh, Seinfeld. He kind of he started to grow on me, and I re- and, and I really thought he was in his best element doing March Madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think on uh, college football, you know, in the NFL when he when he's done when he's done that for CBS, um, I think he does a real good job. And I and and I've grown to like his exuberance. You know, I know that sounds contradictory because I I I pan Joe Tessitore for it, but. Uh, I don't know. I think just the, the, the way Gus goes about it comes off a little bit different. Joel Klatt, very knowledgeable. To me, though, he sounds like he's talking at you and not to you. That's kind of the sense I get. A little, little condescending is uh, sort of my, my take with uh, Joel Klatt. Eric, your thought? Yeah, I mean, Gus, you're right. The final, when he did the NCAA tournament and the NFL for CBS, it was fantastic stuff, right? With the late finishes. Fox has just been a weird fit. He's kind of gotten under his feet. He does their college basketball as well. The soccer thing didn't work out. But I think him and Clyde have kind of been a nice tandem there because Gus kind of brings more out of Joe Clatt from a personality standpoint. Jenny Taft's great on the sideline. So I actually enjoy their crew. I like their philosophy of trying to do the marquee games at noon and not go in prime time against ABC. I actually like that. I think that's helped college football as a whole because now at least you got a game to look forward to at noon and 3.30 and 8 instead of like, oh, all the good games are later in the day or whatever. So I actually, I've liked that strategy from Fox and I think Gus, it's great to have Gus call in football. I think he's great. I wish he was still calling the NCAA tournament, but uh, it is what it is. But I enjoy them. Adam? Yeah, no, Qua. I think, you know, Eric hit it on his head earlier. The, the Gus thing is interesting because he became such a phenomenon during the tournament, right? It was kind of, you know, the, the, the Gus Johnson effect, kind of like the test effect. It was the, the Gus Johnson effect. He seemed to always get the great games. You know, then he, I think he did, you know, uh, CBS, uh, NFL for a while. Same thing. He always had the wacky overtime finishes, right? It became sort of the, you know, the Gus thing. He was on the Buffalo Wild Wings commercials, right? I think he was like the voice in that. And then he went and did soccer. And I, I wonder, to your point, Eric, how much that sort of changed the narrative a little bit about him or how much that sort of, you know, still works on him today um he's a tad over the top for me i don't i don't mind him but i could see if you told me that he was annoying to you i could see how you would say that i mean he's the kind of got to go third and one there's the pass 
pass. And it's just like, he just threw it, dude. Let relax. Like, if he catches it, yell. If it's a long run, yell. But he's just yelling because he threw the ball, right? So sometimes it's a little bit much. If you told me he annoyed you, I'd understand. I also agree with you, uh, Jeff. Joel Claff, for some reason, just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his Twitter persona. I, I, I feel like, you know, and it's a UCF homerism thing here. I think he absolutely tried to troll UCF a ton back in the 17, 18, uh, 18 days. Then he did the whole UCF, we're good. We made up. We're friends video. I could, I could certainly do without Joel Klatt, more for personal reasons and probably for broadcast reasons, but um, I, could, I could definitely take Joel Klatt and, uh, and leave him on the side of the road. <laughs> and uh, the second team of Fox, uh, Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman, uh, longtime CBS studio guys. And I will say this, I am a Brando file. Uh, I mean, I probably feel the same way about Tim Brando that Eric does about Jim Nance. Um, you know, to me, Tim is equally as good in the studio as he is doing play-by-play. I think he, he's a guy who does his homework. He has a great knowledge of college football. I miss his radio show uh, from back in the day because he was the only national radio show that paid attention to college football and basketball to, uh, to some significant depth. So that's why I'm a big fan of his. And uh, again, I think he's great. And I, again, I think he would have succeeded Vern had he not left CBS. And of course, that was a little bit of a tiff over his radio show that was being simulcast on CBS Sports Network when they opted to go with uh, uh, Boomer uh, Esiason and the New York show out of WFAN. Why you would put a New York radio show on a national network makes no sense to me, but that's a whole other argument to have. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Tim Brandon Switch Tillman. They've worked together a long time. Great chemistry. I think it's a, an outstanding crew. Adam? Yeah, good crew. I think it's always a, the word I would use to describe this team is fun. It always feels like a fun broadcast. They always seem like they're having fun. They, you know, they're you know, Brando keeps it kind of light. You know, he's not afraid to make some jokes here and there. Not afraid to be a little sarcastic. It's a, it's always a fun broadcast. It's fun when they have a fun game, right? Sometimes you get that forty-two nothing game, and you know the, the announcers kind of get a little wacky. But when it's a when it's a good game, a fun game, a close game, I think Brando's excellent on that setting. Uh, Spencer Tillman's a, a pro's pro. It's, it's a good crew. I don't get to hear them as much as I would like, probably, um, just because obviously. You know, they're, they're typically um, usually around the time UCF's playing, which is the game I would usually watch. They're usually on in that, in that, you know, that time slot area. But uh, always a fun broadcast when, uh, when Brando's on the mic. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, uh, those guys are, you know, are great friends too. I believe they're both uh, you know, godfathers of each other's children uh, to that effect. Eric, what's your thought on that team? And that goes back to when they worked together in the studio at CBS for the pregame yep. show. Um, you know, I've booked Tim Brando on the radio show as a producer. When Remember he called the Stanford UCF game when that was an FS1? Yes. So we had him on that week, and we've had him on since. He's very opinionated, as you know, Jeff. Uh, I miss his radio show too with Patrick Netherton and company. Great college show. I, I, I didn't understand what CBS was do, doing with that. Uh, I agree with you on that. I kind of find it weird. I know he's doing good things at Fox. I just find him weird every time I see him doing a Pac-12 game or like he was supposed to do the Boise game. I just feel like a weird fit because I always, growing up with Tim Brando, is always in the South doing the SCC or ACC on Raycom for basketball mm-hmm. with Mike Jaminski. And I just find this kind of a weird fit, like just because he wanted to do play-by-play. I kind of like, I listened to him this week. He was on with Paul Feinbaum on SEC Network for an hour and it was tremendous chemistry. And I'm thinking, man, why couldn't they have figured it out to bring Brando into SEC Network? Because his show would have been perfect on that network. And I'm sure they could have done – he could have still done play-by-play. But I understand why he did the Fox thing, and he's doing great things. I just kind of miss – it's just weird to see him doing Big 12 and, SC, and and Pac-12 games after so many years in the studio and so many years talking about the SEC and the 
the sh- you know, in the show going from Louisiana's radio show and Charbet and then the ACC, it's just kind of a weird fit, but I'm a Brando fan like you are though. And then Tillman, obviously they're, they're boys, they're boys. And I think it's broadcast. Yeah. You know, it's interestingly enough. I know he was, uh, he was still considering going back to ESPN uh, when, when, when the Fox thing was happening too. So they were very close to that as well. And, uh, and I can also say that I've had Tim Brando on both the AAC report and this very podcast. Uh-oh. And, uh, Adam, you got to book him, Adam. You're the only one. What's going on? Oh, my goodness. Adam, <laughs> Adam, Adam, I'll connect you. Tim Brando is as nice a guy as advertised, too, because uh, uh, on one of the podcasts I had him on, we, we the line dropped. So I call him back, and he said, hey, uh, you know, uh, uh, do we need to re-record anything? Did I miss anything? You know, he just wanted to pick, you know, know where to pick up, you know, pros, pro. I mean, you know, just couldn't have been nicer. You know, it's one of those things, you know, like – they always tell you don't meet your heroes because you'll be disappointed. Uh, I was not disappointed uh, with uh, with Timmy B. Uh, college football on Fox also has Joe Davis and Mark Helfrich. I know we talked about Helfrich a little bit earlier, and yeah, I have to agree he's a bit of a snooze. Uh, Joe Davis, mm, I'm kind of lukewarm on Joe Davis. I, I I I I sometimes feel like his enthusiasm doesn't come off as well. I think he's he's pretty smooth. Um, and maybe the fact that I'm a Braves fan and he does Dodger games, maybe I hold that against him. I don't know. <laughs> that probably doesn't. Yeah, I feel that's where that's coming from. Because he's a great baseball guy. He's the voice yeah. of the Dodgers with all her size. I think baseball is his best sport, college football. I thought he was good with Brady Quinn. Mm-hmm. And I liked him with Brock Hewitt. And again, not to harp on this, but then they put him up with Mark Helfrich, which makes no sense. I don't like Mark Helfrich at all. I don't understand why they took Brock Hewitt away from there. I don't know why they don't use Spielman there. It's the most perplexing thing I can think of. I like Joe Davis a lot. I think he's going to be the heir apparent to Joe Buck for the World Series in baseball. I think that's where the future is for him and Fox. And I think he'll still he'll always be kind of a number two, number three college football, a sprinkle in some NFL guy things. But I wish they would pair him up with I, I just don't understand the Helfrich parent at all I'm sorry Adam yeah I, I don't get Helfrich either I it just doesn't make a ton of sense I mean he he seems like he's very knowledgeable he seems he's very cerebral but it just comes across like I might be in the library um and not watching a football game sometimes and and, and so I don't I don't by extension I don't listen to them a ton I, I mean I think I, I agree with Eric I think I've heard Joe a ton on on Fox baseball stuff and I think he's he's way better there um you know but he's he's a young broadcaster you think about Fox they have a, they have a couple of young guys right you think about him Adam Amin Kevin Burkhart still on the younger side and they, they definitely a, go in the youth movement yeah, there, they've, yeah. got a, they've got a bunch of young guys who would be interesting to see how they develop in a few years um, and sort of what that what that next wave looks like where CBS is kind of loaded up on, on maybe some of the more veteran guys on the, on the NFL side. They've got some young guys there. But, uh, yeah, Helfridge feels like a one-year holdover, kind of that, that, that coaching uh, stop before he heads into something different and becomes an OC in some random, you know, D2 school somewhere. Yeah, I tell you what uh, – uh, this has been a blast, uh, uh, and, and I've taken up a good chunk of your evening, but I am going to ask you guys one more question, uh, UCF-related, because, you know, we obviously got the news last week about uh, Mackenzie Milton uh, uh, going to the transfer portal. You guys both uh, did uh, respective uh, uh, streaming shows uh, based on that. You know, and I kind of wanted to get your take after, you know, we've had a week to think about it uh, since that. I, I know for me, you know, the fact that, you know, he is putting the team first is so dynamic, um, you know, because not only could it have been a fractured locker room, could have had a fractured fan base because, you know, if 
if you know Dylan Gabriel was still going to be the quarterback, you're going to have a certain segment of the fan base that would still want Milton to play. So would they turn on Dylan even though he's done nothing wrong? <laughs> you know, so I think that potential actually existed. Um, but uh, you know, I definitely wish McKenzie well and, and hope he does get a shot and and, uh, and 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 makes the most of it. Nobody will root for him harder. Um, but now this, you know, this you know, his news has settled about a week. Have you had any different thoughts since the the initial uh, news came out, uh, Eric? Start with you. It's been fascinating of the amount of interest. Like, I mean, I did an article for Black and Gold Banneret, and I put 10 destinations where he could end up, pros and cons, and that thing has just been just driven with with page clicks, and people have been fascinated with opinions and comments. Uh, so I think that part has been fascinating to me about the interest. I think there's a genuine interest from everybody where he lands and where he goes, and uh, I think it was the right move. If he stays, he wasn't going to start over Dylan Gabriel. There's going to be controversy. You can Sometimes you run the risk of dividing a locker room. So I think this was the right move for all parties. But he's obviously made a big impact on this program to the point where everybody has a, you know, an attachment to him. And so I'm fascinated to see where he goes. And I think signing day could give some hints on that because if certain programs pick up a quarterback on signing day, that might mean that might eliminate them from the Milton watch. Or if they don't get a quarterback, that might be where McKenzie ends up with. So I'm very fascinated to see where he ends up. And I'm very fascinated to see how UCF fans will react to that uh, next year. If he's with another uniform and playing, where are they rooting for him? Is it or is it dependent on where he's playing? Because I know Adam, you've Mike's been very vocal about you know he wishes him well, but he doesn't want him to go to Miami. Doesn't want him to do well in Florida State. Doesn't want him to do well in Florida. He doesn't want him to do well in Nebraska, but he wants him to he wants him to do well, just not at all the places he's uh, mentioned. And I wonder, Adam, if a lot of fans feel that way, like Mike does, where yeah, we want him to do well, unless you end up in a place I don't want you to end up. So I'm very fascinated to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think Mike said it interesting on the on our show this week. Everybody's wishing McKenzie well now, but how are they going to feel if he's wearing the you know the blue and orange of Florida or the you know the the green and orange of Miami? Right? It's it's easy to root for him now and say I wish him well, but when he's wearing that other jersey and you're watching him, somebody on Twitter put on obviously they're doing a bunch of uh, you know different uh, photoshops and they had uh, the his famous first down pose and they had they had photoshopped the Florida State jersey on there, um, and everyone I mean the comments on that were just were just interesting, right? Because it it also sounds good to say hey you know what i i wish him well i wish him the best but all of a sudden he's playing you know against your team or a school you don't like and maybe that turns around i agree with eric jeff it was the right thing to do and i think we all it's that it's like that thing we all saw coming i think we all knew it was coming at some point and everyone just kind of was hoping maybe it didn't you you, you kind of didn't look at it you didn't you didn't think about it but i think we all knew it was coming as it got closer and closer that the tea leaves were all there i think all the signs are starting to point in that direction uh, and and i agree with eric it's a smart thing to do you know mckenzie wants to live out a stream here's the thing I, I as i think about perspective right and you know we we forget mckenzie's gonna be like 22 23 years old you know the, the guys he came in with you know by and large this is their last year Otis Greg Marlon Trey you know those guys aren't going to be there anymore not that he hasn't built new relationships but you know I don't fault him for saying, hey, I, I want to try something different and challenge myself to do something different, right? We all got out of school. We all said, hey, what's the next challenge for us? Sometimes the biggest growth you have in life is by, is by taking a challenge and trying something. My bigger question is just, you know, how is he going to play? And, and I'm, I'm fascinated to kind of to Eric's point is it's going to take some, some, some chutzpah by a coach to, to bring McKenzie in because 
look, I, I love McKenzie, and he was a fantastic quarterback at UCF, and I hope he continues to do that. But he's coming off of a serious knee injury and not playing for two years. And it's going to take some coach to really have some clout at a school or really want to have, uh, you know, really has a, a big voice to be able to bring McKenzie in. Because if that move doesn't work out, I mean, it, it could it could be a, a, an issue at certain schools if you don't have a coach that has that backbone. So I'm more curious to see where he ends up and, and what coach and program are willing to take a, you know, take a risk at him. I, I hope he finds a school that allows him to, to get a chance to play because that's what he wants. But I also hope, you know, the, the medical side of things hopefully stays correct too because he obviously needs to make sure he has, you know, the right training staff around, the right program around him to make sure he, he keeps healthy. Right thing to do. Um, I think we're all going to miss him a ton. And and, uh, you know, it's kind of like wishing your kid going off to college and you wish he was still home with you every day, but you know, you got to let him go. And I think, you know, that's where people are with McKenzie. But when he, when he puts on a jersey of a different color on Saturday and he's doing that first down stuff and he's doing the Gator Chomp or the Miami U or the Florida State <laughs> Tomahawk, we'll, we'll see how Night Nation feels about it then. Yeah, well, I'd tell you what, the one thing or another, I mean, the one thing we know for sure, his legacy at UCF is forever cemented. And uh, for that, we'll always be grateful. Okay, guys, before I let you go, please do your shameless plugs. Adam, start with you. Oh, boy. We are the Sons of UCF show. We, uh, we are out each week. You can find us uh, wherever you get your quality podcast. Just search Sons of UCF, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and all those. Follow us on Twitter at Sons of UCF. Uh, we also do some live stuff every now and again, so keep, uh, keep an eye on our Twitter feed for some of that stuff as it, as it rolls out. But uh, each week, we're there for UCF Talk and more, so uh, make sure you check us out. And Eric, the man who knows everybody. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. Uh, I uh, obviously, of course, have a black and gold banneret. You see off underscore banneret. Twitter with website. We write a lot of content, do a weekly podcast. Myself, Jeff Sharon, and Brian Murphy. And uh, we also have a YouTube page. We do a lot of video content, live shows, tape shows, interviews, you name it. We're kind of a little bit of everything there. So we'll be covering you. Uh, we cover all UCF. And I obviously cover the NBA as well. So you might as well follow me, Eric Lopez. Believe it or not, the NBA is here in a couple weeks weeks i can't believe it so i'll be covering that among other other freelance work that i do at eric lopez elo all right outstanding again thank you both for taking up a large chunk of your evening i hope i haven't uh, you know upset your families in any sort of way but uh, again thanks again and we will definitely have to do this again we'll uh, maybe shift the focus to basketball and do one of these for that uh, that uh, that could be a whole lot of fun guys thanks again for being here anytime buddy thanks jeff The theme from NCIS here on the JS Podcast close out the show with our TV theme and NCIS now in its 18th season on CBS, which was actually born from two episodes of JAG season number eight called Ice Queen and Meltdown in what they call a backdoor pilot. And of course, NCIS has spun off two series of its own with NCIS Los Angeles and NCIS New Orleans. And, of course, it follows the 
NCI's major case response team, special agents in Washington, D.C., headlined by former UCLA quarterback Mark Harmon as Leroy Jethro Gibbs. And, of course, uh, Sean Murray as Timothy McGee, who's been on since almost all 18 seasons, was recurring in season one. Rocky Carroll as Leon Vance, Brian Dietzen as Dr. Jimmy Palmer. Wilmer Valderrama is Nicholas Torres. Emily Wickersham is Ellen, Eleanor Bishop as the current cast. And David McCallum, of course, as the great Donald Ducky Mallard. Dr. Ducky. Uh, Sasha Alexander was in the show the first couple of seasons. Michael Weatherly, who played the bratty Anthony Donoso for 13 seasons, has now gone on to star in his own show, Bull. Cote de Pablo, Ziva David, was around for eight seasons. Lauren Holly is Jenny Shepard. Spent a few seasons on the show. Good stuff in CIS. It's still, you know, for a show that's been on as long as it has, and they've had to you know, go through some cast changes, it's still, to me, as good as it ever was. So NCIS, our TV theme to close things out on this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks once again to Eric Lopez, Adam Eaton for our broadcaster breakdown of NFL and college play-by-play crews. Hope you enjoyed that. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.